Welcome back to another Untitled Movie Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Matt Rohrbeck. Alongside, he's allergic to tomatoes, but he is tomato meter approved, Eric Marchin. Matt, we're back. 94th draft, Eric. 94th, just like Fear Street 1994. Review now available on Untitled Movie Reviews. And there's and the, the dogs. dogs. <laughs> just on time. <laughs> Eric hasn't built his soundproof booth yet. Nope. How you doing? Uh, that's what I'm in the middle of doing uh, now. Yeah, how's, how's that going? I hate it. Yeah. I absolutely hate it. Are you going to use it for this show or just your oh, Rogers no, recording? No, this show sucks. <laughs> who cares, I'm, I'm who using who cares about this? Yeah. Dogs barking, fucking anything This can show happen. went off the rails a long uh, time like ago. Like 93 episodes ago. Yeah. So, yeah. My Rogers reviews are, are clean and pristine, <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. Uh, how, how are things otherwise? Uh, fine. You know, like I, I've been mostly staying inside so the heat hasn't been bothering me too much um i've been lucky that way like in terms of just like having air conditioning and things um yeah it's a little warm here the last couple days yeah the humidity specifically and it's been kind of muggy and raining on and off as well so you know that that's the kind of weather that i really don't like where like you have that kind of layer of you know humidity and and fog kind of seeping in and like that really attracts mosquitoes um (laughs) sure yeah i mean you're not wrong no i have a lot of mosquitoes in um in my backyard because it's like oh really it's it's basically because it's it's near like a lake right 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 yeah do you uh, are you one of those people like do you get bit a lot with mosquitoes or like and do you get like nevis right now (laughs) nevis gets these giant like she's nevis and my dad both are like overly allergic to mosquitoes and like bites in general where she gets these giant lumps from mosquito bites where i feel like they just like i think my blood is just full of garbage so mosquitoes <laughs> just don't even taco bell it's like, yeah oh, no thank you no thank you <laughs> yeah i mean i am trying to eat better again i mean i feel like we talk. i'd do this every six months we talked about it at the beginning of the year but now i'm trying to you know be a bit more serious with it where like i fell off of it um it, this pandemic's been weird because again oh congrats we're both uh double double vaxxed with two weeks of of quarantine or whatever the hell you want to call it um it's like done. the sequel to double the, dragon the double waiting <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> so we could we could even record in person starting soon but um you know why who cares yeah. we never need to see each other ever again um but uh congrats so starting i mean uh, today is your two weeks right yep yeah what are you going to do to celebrate? Uh, well, I got a Tim Hortons coffee earlier today. Wow, uh, nice. I got Starbucks. If theater's open in time, I might see old. Uh, hopefully, right? You got to think that, you know, hopefully the 21st of July, which is the earliest they can open, right? They said three weeks after phase two here in Ontario that they can open phase three. I was hoping it would be a little bit earlier because we've already hit our targets for phase three. But I know they want to see kind of how you know, how things are going in phase two to see what the case numbers are and, and, and things like that before they open phase three. But um, yeah, we might just in time for GI Georgians and uh, an old man. So that might be our, um, what are you going to do with quiet place? Should we watch it on prime next week or should we? Yeah, I think wait? so. I, yeah, I, I think so. at this point, I, I think uh, time has passed and we should just probably watch it on because we could wait another week and watch it in theaters but i'm like i probably won't have the willpower to wait if it's available for me yeah exactly Um, and we can get a review up um 
you know, as soon as we watch it. So yeah, because I think it's next Monday. It's but, going on the service. But, so uh, yeah. you know, F nine. You know. Well, that's the thing, and I, I contemplated multiple times to go to. Like, I went to a patio on the weekend, which was quite nice. I went to Butchie's patio in Whippy. It was lovely with uh, Nevis and my sister and my other kind of sister, Danielle. Um, <laughs> and uh, we all went to uh, Butchie's patio, and I got a, a wonderful uh, pulled chicken sandwich with some yam uh, fries and a watermelon salad, and it was delicious. And it was just like really nice to kind of go back out and do something that felt a little normal and um, like obviously still wearing masks until you're at your table and things like that. But because we were all double vaxxed, um, we could like Danielle who lives, doesn't live with us. We were finally able to kind of hang out with someone who isn't, you know, my fiance or my sister and God love both of them, but it was nice to kind of integrate someone else into our, our group. So went to a patio and I'm just excited to go back to the movies. So, um, I, uh, yeah, I think F nine will probably be one of the first things that we see as well as, you know, old and, and GI Joe origins and, uh, Maybe those will probably green be, Knight and yeah, like green Knight is the week after supposedly we're going to open, but there, nothing's confirmed yet. I'm just hypothesizing. Yeah. So, um, you'd like to think that everything will be on track and that we open and we'll be able to kind of, I mean, day one, I'm going to landmark and I'm seeing F nine and I'm seeing whatever else I haven't seen yet. in Theaters I might even see black widow in, in, I mean, you guys can check out our review of black widow right now, but, um, it would just feel weird if I didn't see you know, Black Widow in theaters at least once. Right. Um, it's not necessarily a movie that I think I need to see a second time or have like a, an urge to go see a second time. But I want to see we watched it obviously on a screener with a big watermark, which with a not so great bit rate. So like the compression was pretty bad. So uh, I'd like to kind of see that on the big screen and see how I feel. So I'm excited, man. We're at it seems like the light is at the end of the tunnel, but knock on wood, who the hell knows? Right. So, right. Yeah. Uh, what else is new? Well, Matt, sadly, Richard Donner <laughs> passed away yeah. at 91. Um, yeah. One of the goats, man. Yeah. Great director. Even though not a huge Superman fan, you can't deny his the impact, impact of those movies. Of, yeah. And, and like being kind of like the first big superhero film and sort of, you know, like there's an interview with him and Christopher Nolan when Nolan was talking to him about Batman Begins specifically and sort of taking sort of the template of what he did with the first Superman movie. Cause obviously, you know, his relationship with the Salkinds wasn't the greatest by the time that they were shooting Superman uh, two, basically back to back and he was fired and replaced by Richard Lester. And, you know, there is the Donner cut of Superman two, but uh, Lester would go on to do um, part three as well. So do we blame him for the Snyder cut? <laughs> maybe. I mean, maybe that's that's the thing. But what I the the movie that I I I mean, both uh, the Goonies and the Lethal Weapon franchise, which he directed all four. Um, yeah, you know, and was like, trying to do a fifth one, right? Yeah, I mean, that. I mean, there seem to be a lot of roadblocks, you know, with you know, obviously Mel Gibson specifically. Yeah. But um, yeah, he 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 was actively trying to direct. Um, that fifth installment um, and that was a franchise that was truly about family um, you know unlike uh, the fast movies which have now become you know family memes uh, <laughs> I, almost, I almost feel like 
Vin Diesel should host Family Feud or like host an episode. Of oh, family absolutely. Feud. Yeah. Celebrity Family Feud. Or they should just have the fast family on. Like there is Celebrity Family Feud that they do. Right. Um, now. And I see random celebrities go on there all the time. So it seems like a perfect opportunity. Why didn't you get the fast family to be on there? Yeah. They need to do that for, for <laughs> a future installment for, you know, part 10 or 10 part, part one, one which part is actually two. like the 11th movie in the franchise because it is Hobbs you know, and Shaw <laughs> being a off. I love I, that's why I tweeted all the time like I, every once in a while whenever there's a new fast movie I just have to tweet out all the naming like all the names for every movie just to go like who it's got to be an in like it's not even an in joke anymore it's just an out joke of being like what is the most ridiculous thing that does not match a naming convention at all for any of these movies? They do something completely different. These fast or, or furious, furious or both and or a like, number. <laughs> like the thing, the one that astonishes me the most is the first one being the fast and the furious. And then four being fast, fast and furious. And furious. It's like, and then this one doesn't even have fast or, this one doesn't have fast or furious. It's just F nine. Well, <laughs> That's but, what the but title. Then, but then also now there's the debate of like, is it is F9, the, 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 fast, the saga? fast saga, right? Like, or <laughs> see, well, I'll have to wait until we see it in theaters because whatever it says, but then there's some movies where I think it's like furious six or, or fast six. It's like, it's called one thing, but then in the movie, furious six, but then in the movie, it's something right? different. Right. And then like on the actual title screen. So like that even doesn't make any sense. Oh man, fast, I can't wait. Furious. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's just amazing because you think of like, you know, the late John Singleton having, you know, directed Too Fast, Too Furious and putting just like twos in front of them. And just I think that's where like the naming convention was just like, yeah, you know what? We'll just do whatever you want at that yeah. point. And then just, just make sure it's completely different than any other movie in the franchise. So it doesn't make any sense. Oh, but that's man. but that's at the time when Vin Diesel thought he was going to be like this superstar and that he was bigger than the fast franchise right because yeah the, the fast movies kind of launched his career and he also had riddick at those time at that time and he wanted to kind of be a bigger name so he moves away from it and you know you have too fast too furious and, and tokyo <laughs> drift and then you know everybody comes back because they have nothing else going on and they've i mean good for them for turning the franchise into you know, a non superhero related, although, I mean, it has become a superhero. Oh, they're superheroes for sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, But like a non sort of superhero IP and turning that into something as successful. Oh no, it's it's wild. My, my parents are watching through them right now. And like my, my dad messaged me and he's just like, these movies are not good. I was like, dad, you got to get through fast five. I'm like, get through the first four movies. Like the first one is still like, Unless you have nostalgia for it, I feel like you could say it's terrible. Right. The second one, truly terrible. Tokyo Drift, the car sequences are fun. We don't talk about Lucas Black. Is it Lucas Black? That's the oldest name teenager is? Yeah, ever. Yeah, ever. <laughs> um, so I don't know. They're watching through them. But anyways, back to Richard Donner. Yeah. Like, I mean, he was 91, right? So a yeah. good long, a good long life. And I mean, yeah, for a guy who directed, you know, those Superman movies, The Omen um you know scrooged you know four lethal weapon movies like i mean he was a guy that's like literally directed lethal weapon and you know the debate around that film whether or not it's a christmas movie or not always comes up because even though it's takes place during the holiday season (laughs) it's written by shane black who you know mostly other than the predator has christmas somewhere integrated in there you know 
goes from that and then it's like you know what i'm gonna direct a straight up christmas movie with scrooge you know that's all it's it's like a hold my beer kind of moment where it's like oh you don't think i directed a christmas movie i'm gonna direct a christmas movie and then like <laughs> lady hawk's one of those films where it's like it's not a great movie but there was something about that as like a kid where i would always watch it and yeah like, thinking like also you know rucker howard recently passed away as well um but like 80s fantasy and like it's yeah he's one of those guys that had like you know hit after hit you know going from the 70s onwards and you know also directed one of the most famous episodes of the twilight zone and um he was he just was one of those great kind of like classic sort of studio directors who just didn't have time for bullshit and you know made a name for himself in in doing so and and was you know a name studio guy and and like there's not many of those those left really uh, you know like you, like norman jewison's still around but i mean he's you know yeah. up there as well um but yeah he was he was one of the like quintessent like goonies for a whole generation is like the definition of like the 80s oh know? absolutely like, yeah um and so like even like with one-eyed willie and stuff like that it's just it's it's the it's the quintessential amblin film and um yeah he'll be missed i mean there's the, uh, the last thing i saw him in he's in an episode of of cursed films where they where jay Chiel and, and the crew sort of um cover uh the omen and sort of you know the the cursed quote-unquote cursed nature of the movie and they and jay interviewed him um in his office and it's a really really lovely yeah uh, jay tweeted out a couple things from it that i saw you retweet and that were really lovely yeah so i would highly recommend going and checking out that episode of uh cursed films yeah that's probably one of the more recent kind of long interviews he's probably done too right because that was only a couple years ago yeah yeah and i remember jay chill was talking about um during like when he was on film junk like after shooting it he was talking about like how like in between donner was getting ready to go have lunch with robert forster and it's just yeah oh man now they're both gone yeah that is that sucks um but yeah r.i.p to one of the goats um yeah i mean with a resume like that he'll live on forever um moving on eric do you want to start with like just um you want to do the festival stuff right off the top yeah i think yeah, we let's... should i mean we've we've been the, the regular show has been uh on hiatus for the last few weeks but it's you know because we were uh, busy with tribeca, tribeca and things yeah and you know we have a new interview up for our conversation so that kind of um, was a substitute for for yeah. that one week um but yeah we still haven't talked about um tiff 21 you know yeah so we got our officially our first tiff talk well it's weird this year everything is pushed back a little bit yeah our first tiff talk yeah um everything's pushed back a little bit because of covid right because like can is just happening right now instead of may so i feel like my brain is all messed up thinking that it's earlier in the year than it is like really tiff is two months away right like or, or, like and yeah. that's wild to me because can is just happening now and tribeca we just filmed the tribeca was still at you know the time that it usually is but we never usually you know participate in tribeca we only did this year because we could do it digitally um so yeah we're all in this the midst of essentially this big festival season um that kicked off almost with a little bit of south by southwest and then going into tribeca and then we got all of these 
big TIFF announcements of what they're going to be doing for the festival. And then can is happening right now uh, as we speak for the next week or so. Um, a lot of saliva. Yeah. A lot a of r- Josie Scott. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> God. Um, there's um, yeah. An article came out yesterday on variety. I oh, think that I shared Josie Scott. <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, that I sent to you. Um, and I was going to tweet a, a photo from disobedience, but I did not. Um, that they're making people because like I, I'm glad they're trying to be safe. They're doing COVID tests and making sure everyone who's there because international press are going and they're having things open. So, but they're saying that like people have to spit in these tubes because they're not doing the the I think classic it's every two days, right? Yeah, in like this class, like the the normal COVID test, you get like a little Q-tip thing that goes up your nose, right, and tickles your brain a little bit, and they and they do it that <laughs> way. Um, this COVID test, they're like people have to spit in a tube and it's everyone's basically like, like ancestry.ca yeah um, but, but to do that in public a, a like test yeah sorry i gotta cough but the saliva is just is is going and, strong and people like there was an article and and um they're like the amount of spit they need is almost ridiculous <laughs> to the point where they're like uh, like you have to spit a lot into this tube and i'm just like I mean, I guess that's the price you pay for, you know, flying internationally to go to a film festival in the midst of, uh, you know, a pandemic that's not quite over yet. Right. So I'm glad that they're like, you know, doing their due diligence to be safe and stuff. But um, it's just funny to see. It's funny in the back of my head that a bunch of press are lined up like they would be for a screening. But they're like, okay. Uh, sir or ma'am, please spit into this tube. I need like half a tube full of spit. Well, especially when you think of it like being like highbrow film critics as well. Like, you know, someone from like the New York right. Times. Me or you, to... whatever. I'll yeah, spit into yeah, any yeah. tube. Someone from the New York Times has to spit into a tube. It's it's it, it kind of it's there's a humility to it all that I think is kind of interesting. And I think that's what the article was saying that you could hear like audible groans in like the, like when they saw how much spit they needed to produce for, and it just, it's just sounds funny. And like, I'm sure uh, it even sounds funny if like everybody's doing it in like, Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) it's just weird, man. Keep Um, hydrated everyone. We don't have any other updates from can other than uh, it's starting today. So there hasn't been any reactions for any of the movies. I think Annette is one of the first movies that's screening. Yeah. It's Um, the premiere film. Yeah. So I think that's, we'll, we'll hear reactions of Annette. I mean, the only thing that came out of that was, uh, (laughs) Adam driver (laughs) sings while performing fellatio. So, um, or cunnilingus, uh, and, and sings. So, um, can't wait to hear the reactions of that later today. It should be soon, probably, because it's probably 7 p.m. in Cannes right now. So I think it might be premiering uh, uh, soon or maybe they're in the midst of a screening. So, yeah, but I'm uh, sure there's some people that probably even saw it before, you know, heading over to Cannes where like they like Amazon maybe, probably uh, screened it for US some people. Critics, right? Yeah, if they weren't going to the festival. Yeah, maybe. I don't know um, how that all works with the uh, the. Uh, agreements with with can um but yeah not much else on can other than we've we talked about the lineup already and it, it's a really solid uh, kind of lineup this year it's just i'm i'm looking i'm intrigued to see how this because tiff is coming up in two months and they will go into what they're planning on doing but having an in, in-person festival with possibly international press and talent going 
um, while you still have to socially distance and wear masks and things More like that. More spitting. Like, I hope, yeah, I hope Tiff doesn't make you spit into a tube, but I mean, I will if I have to. Tiff tube? Uh, but uh, we'll report on the next episode kind of the, the how people perceived can this year but um i think before we go into the tiff stuff eric we should talk about our experience at tribeca which i mean you guys can check out all of our reviews over on untitled movie reviews for everything we reviewed out of the 2021 tribeca uh film festival so we don't have to spend you know too too much time on it but um now you know we're three festivals deep when it comes to covering them well, digitally. two and a half, I would say. Two and a half, yeah. Our South by Southwest didn't work out uh, quite as expected, which we talked about on the show. But um, how did you feel uh, about Tribeca as a whole and um, just your, your thoughts on the festival? I mean, it was a little disorganized just in terms of like what was available to us. It wasn't the same situation like South by Southwest where literally it was like, okay, everything is basically <laughs> geo-blocked for yeah. the most part. Um, this Here, was just most of, things were available, but there were a handful of the films that weren't. Yeah, like the Soderbergh film or a couple IFC. Well, all the IFC movies, basically. Yeah, Roadrunner, um, which terms, we did get. But. Yeah, but in terms of sort of like the kind of smooth sort of overall experience i found it to be fine i i <laughs> i think like again the app was was excellent in terms of how to to watch something um the intros were to the point it didn't feel like you know the ads were over long um yeah between sundance and and tribeca i would say you know they they adapted quite well to the virtual platform uh, much like Tiff did uh, last year, and, and well, you're forgetting Sundance, so it is the third one, so it'd be three and a half, right? So I guess, well, but but Tiff, I mean, like I was thinking more this year, right, than, right, right, than right, Tiff last year, but I was including I still Tiff consider last that, year yeah, because then would you say like Tiff is now? Then that would be the fourth, because it's just it's weird that like you would put two Tiffs in one year. Well, I would say Tiff is the reset point for us, right? Because right. Tiff was the first digital film festival that we covered. So I still think it's three in the last year. But then when Tiff starts, it's technically still three <laughs> because it restarts. Anyways, it doesn't matter. It'll right. be the fourth one total that we do um, during Tiff while South by Southwest in the middle. Yeah, I'm, I'm mostly with you. Um, you know, the movies we I didn't we watched, you know, a, a good handful. I think we don't go. We didn't go as hard as we did during Sundance or TIFF, but I think we you did a good group of movies that I was, you know, pretty happy to see some good surprises in there. Like we both really loved uh, the Novice, which I think is a a wonderful, pleasant surprise out of the festival. It won a, um, some awards at um, at Tribeca, and uh, we have a review up for it that you guys can go listen to. And I, I'm really looking forward to seeing who picks that up, and I hope it does get, um, you know, uh, distribution. Um, uh, so I, I well, think it has it, Zack Snyder's seal of approval. That's what I mean. Stuff like that. You'd think, um, someone would take a shot on it, but, uh, um, well, I think it's just sometimes it, it, like the marketplace right now is, is still, is kind still of recovering. Kind of, yeah. And also like you have 
you know, the tr- with Tribeca having ended, you have can coming on the heels of that. And so right now, like the market is all sort of focused on what is going on, you know, in, in Europe and sort of announcing projects and just kind of looking in the marketplace there as well right this festival is going to go specifically because of the in-person aspect being sort of reintegrated into the sort of uh the overall festivities yeah because uh uh, yeah that's a great point because the can marketplace opened up in the uh, greenland sequel just sold for 75 million dollars to stx Um, so there's that. And I think I saw some other news at a, the marketplace we'll get to, um, in Oh a bit. man, Gerard uh, Butler. I just, I keep laughing every time I see a new project with him. So, um, there's a movie. Who released the first one? Lionsgate? Uh, or, STX no, no. is the Oh, same. so STX yeah, bought yeah. it again. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, it, the reason why like here in Canada, it got released, um, through Amazon studios or Amazon prime, uh, specifically. So, um, right. You know, like because it was it was delayed. Elevation Pictures was supposed to release it here, but I'm also laughing because I keep thinking of like every time like a new Gerard Butler movie gets uh, released, I think of that that Golden Globe photo of him just smiling, <laughs> yeah. and like he's got a new movie um, that's coming out in September called Cop Shop, and like he Tiff, has that, maybe <laughs> he has that literal smile on his face. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I love like the like the titles of the movies that Gerard Butler is in now as well. It's like what are we gonna call this? uh greenland what what are we gonna call this oh it's about cops cop shop cop shop love it um but yeah the i thought the experience i like the digital press side of these festivals and i hope that they i mean we're kind of repeating what we said probably the last couple times but like i think it's a double-edged sword where i like the accessibility of it that we're able to you know anyone can cover these festivals from anywhere and you don't necessarily have to be you know have a uh, an outlet that will pay your way or you'll have to pay for yourself to go there and things like that. So I feel like on that point, it, it's fantastic because we covered Sundance and Tribeca and a bit of South by Southwest, which are three festivals that we probably wouldn't go to just because, you know, expenses, we're, right? expenses. Like, like we're of- a small podcast that, you know, we fund all of this ourselves. We don't put ads on anything just cause that's just but not our style. Open. We're open, we're open to, to it. it. I'm open to a, an overall sponsorship. We Butterfinger, would love to sell out know. to a corporate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I just, to us, it's just something we enjoy doing. So going to a festival is almost like a working vacation for us. Um, so if we do choose to go something like when we went to New York for the New York film festival to see a couple things, that's out of our own pocket. And if we ever wanted to go to Cannes or Sundance, which we might do one day, it's just, that's going to be out of our own pocket. So when they Travel do this costs, um, hotel, hotel, or like all that Airbnb, stuff, so you're uh, thinking a food. couple, a couple thousand dollars, maybe just a thousand plus dollars, depending on the festival and where it is. Um, it's, it's great to go, okay, well, you can cover it from the comfort of your own home. And I think that's wonderful. And I, I do hope that they maybe continue to do that um, I, and have maybe even a hybrid thing, like if you can come in person, which is what I think TIFF will do this year. We don't have any news on what exactly they're going to be doing with the press side of things. Like um, we've applied for accreditation and we're waiting to hear back, but they said that there's a possibility that there's an in-person element of it they just haven't right now they said it will be digital so maybe the future is that like hey if you can't come 
there will be some stuff available to you. It might not be everything. Some things will be obviously blocked and only shown in person or whatever. But um, I, I hope they do continue to do this because, you know, if we can cover 10, 15 films at Tribeca or Sundance or whatever, I mean, I think that's fantastic. And um, Tribeca has always been one of those festivals that I – um, I never really thought about because it does come, you know, after can before TIFF, it also feels like, you know, it gets very New York focused movies and you get the odd film that comes out of Tribeca that kind of transcends it. But I feel like a lot of the times movies that, you know, what happens at Tribeca stays at Tribeca. Well, you almost. also get some runoff mm. from Sundance. So some things, yeah. like, and it also depends on like. So like this year, their big film was in the Heights and it was partly because of scheduling. You know, it, the movie was being released around that time. It yeah. takes place within in that York. community, yeah. within it, within sort of New York. So <laughs> like all those were factors there. And I think also kind of being one of the first festivals to, again, do in reintegrate person. in person, whether it be, you know, outside uh, of like a, an auditorium or a movie theater and, and, and doing not a drive-in but sort of like an out th- outside experience kind of gave it a, a higher profile than it usually does but i mean tribeca has had good stuff it's just there it's it's a lot smaller yeah and usually it's 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 and it's the same thing with south by southwest south by southwest has a lot of movies where you know there's there's the odd sort of thing that's kind of has a, you know, a profile or an interest already built in, but a lot of stuff there is from up and coming filmmakers or people that you, you have to take more of a chance on than, than anything else. And then like you look at, I mean, last year, even though South by Southwest was canceled, you know, Shiva baby was, was, was going to play there. So, and, and, well, they always have things like that. I think, South by Southwest always has those centerpiece kind of things where they have those right. big poppy movies, but like, but Shiva Baby's still not like a. a <laughs> no, it movie. wouldn't. It would have been a surprise now, out of that festival. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it is now because, but but that's partly more because of TIFF than it is South mm-hmm. by Southwest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but overall, I think I would cover it again if we had the opportunity to do it digitally. Like, um, and I mean, I love going to New York, so I'm, uh, uh, I'm not against going to cover Tribeca ever, but um, for me, it's almost like. If I'm going to go to New York, am I going to do the New York Film Festival or I'm going to do Tribeca? Um, Tribeca might be the better option because like New York is so soon after TIFF that it is a lot of runoff from Cannes and from TIFF. And you're also so burnt out by the end of TIFF. Like I feel like like like, people that haven't experienced the Toronto International Film Festival, the one thing to always keep in mind um, if you're going to go into it and, and experience it, like say if you, you do what, what Matt and I do, where we take vacation time, we, you know, are completely immersed in it for try to see as much as possible yeah, yeah. for those two weeks. But even sometimes in the before times, uh, you know, even <laughs> yeah. in August, cause that's the joke where for Canadian press and some American as well, I, I assume, you know, TIFF really starts in mid August, like August 15th. August, yeah. Right. Um, but if you're going to commit to it, like, make sure you have a couple days off or a day off at least afterwards as well, because like, you're going to be so exhausted by it all. And not that you like, you can burn yourself out, but you're, you're going to be exhausted no matter what. And like, I feel with, you know, New York having sort of basically coming on the heels of TIFF within, in October, you're still kind of, 
recovering from you yeah. know the the September festivals, whether you attend TIFF or Venice or or what have you. So yeah, if you uh, go to, Telluride, any of those, yeah. yeah. So and I and I kind of feel like you you mentioned like New York does get a couple big things that are sort of they like, their premiere, their centerpiece, and their closing film are usually the three films that aren't playing anywhere else for the most part. The odd time they'll get some run over for tiff for their centerpiece or something like that but um yeah for the most part like all the fall festival they all kind of share things right and each festival has its own you know things that they got exclusive premieres of but you know it all kind of starts with can and then the run over to venice you know tiff telluride new york all kind of mixes together so usually i feel like you you choose one of those to go to and then you cover it whether you're local from new york or or if you're at a big outlet you go to a couple of them but yeah or um, yeah like if you if you're a part of like a, a film specific outlet or, or one that has a, a film component that is you know like vanity fair or something like that then you're going to do or variety like you're going to do more than one and you're going to have like your your sort of cycle of film critics that will cover the majority of them but it was also just interesting looking at last year's festival and even you know this year how you know it seemed like you had more sort of collaboration and cooperation between the festivals where like Nomadland for the most part played almost at every festival where yeah. this year I feel like some of the back TIFF to normal a little bit might be exclusive to TIFF and like some of the the you know, Telluride hasn't announced any of its its you know programs yet. Or, it never or does gonna... until like the weekend before. But yeah. I'm sure there'll be stuff there that'll be only at Telluride, <clears throat> and that that does happen. So, mm -hmm. um, so yeah, Telluride. W or, I mean, not not Telluride. Uh, Tribeca was uh, a blast. I really enjoyed uh, covering it with you, Eric. So everyone can go check out all of our reviews from Tribeca over at um, untitledmoviepodcast.com or podcast services. It'll Everything is branded Tribeca 2021, and uh, you guys can check out all those reviews if you haven't. And uh, uh, I'm sure you'll be seeing some of those soon, or some will pop up on different VODs. Well, Roadrunner is is scheduled the yeah. Anthony Bourdain doc uh, in a couple of weeks, and then I'm sure the premium VOD release will be three weeks after <laughs> the theatrical release. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And obviously, In the Heights is available, and other things like that. So let's get into TIFF. TIFF Talk 2021, Eric. It's our you know our favorite time of the year, our biggest time of the year for the show, really, too. Probably like every year we see the most you know interest in you know our stuff. I think during TIFF, and that's kind of one of the things that we're. Um, I mean, a lot of critics in, in the Toronto area, obviously, it's their biggest time of the year as well. So it's the bread all of our and butter. Group. It's the love of yeah. leave them sort of. You know, you know, we're very proud of this festival being in, you know, our you know home home city and things like that. So um, it's always my favorite time of the year. I know it's your favorite time of the year. So it was exciting to I haven't just like I mentioned earlier, I haven't really been paying attention or my brain just hasn't even been in. Oh, my God, we're in July. That's usually when we get. TIFF announcements. So when we got this press release uh, on the 23rd of June, um, it just kind of came out of nowhere. And I was like, oh, yeah, I guess they need to announce what the hell they're doing this year. Because last year, it was at a time in Canada and Ontario where we were doing okay when it came to COVID. Because uh, I know that like we saw a couple movies in theaters in July. Release right? the and new then, mutants. Yeah. And then 
TIFF came around and they did um, some in-person screenings at TIFF Bell Lightbox. And they also did some outdoor screenings and drive-in cinema over at Ontario Place. So um, now that we're in, you know, phase two of reopening here in Ontario, phase three looks like it's going to be imminent. Um, Cases are down. Vaccination numbers are, are, are pretty solid. Like TIFF announced that they're doing another hybrid festival where they will be doing in-person screenings at Tiff Bell Lightbox, but also it ba- reintroducing Roy Thompson Hall, uh, the Visa Screening Room at Princess of Wales, as well as the Cinesphere Theatre at Ontario Place. But then they will also be doing outdoor screenings uh, at the Ontario Place Festival Village. So Festival Village moves from King Street down to Ontario Place. Um, and also having the Visa Skyline Drive-In again, the RBC Lakeside Drive-In again, and the West Island Open Air Cinema, which they did last year, which is kind of those Muskoka chairs uh, outdoor screening. So not necessarily a drive-in with your car. You go and you sit outside on some chairs and watch the movie. Last year, we didn't do any in-person, mostly because we weren't vaccinated. We weren't super comfortable going into the city because uh, we live just outside the city um, now. Um, we applied for press this year. They kind of said that, you know, it's going to be digital on the press side, but they wanted to kind of see how many people would come to Toronto if they were able to, obviously us, all of us Toronto critics, I think whoever's comfortable and double vaxxed or not double vaxxed and comfortable, um, will, I mean, I am hoping that there is some in person for us. If not, then I'll probably get some public tickets um, to some things because I really did miss that last year. I I loved you came over. We watched a lot of stuff together, which we might do again this year because we're both vaxxed. But um, what are your thoughts about we'll get into the movies they announced as well. Um, but how are you feeling with their approach to the festival this year? I still think it's it's kind of up in the air in terms of like how it's all going to ultimately play out. Um, I, I think even, you know, in, in the announcement, it's it's, you know, like we tentatively we want to do these things and we will, you know, keep looking at how Ontario specifically is is sort of rolling out with the vaccinations where we seem to be back on track and seem to be doing quite well. And, and, and the numbers are, are up in terms of getting people vaxxed. Um, But it's also, it's just interesting just to think like, okay, what is, what is the border going to be like at, at, by September for international international press and things like that. And like, what's it going to be like, in terms of like the studios and, and, and what are they going to, how are they going to feel about bringing not just talent, but like, you know, sort of having their movies play, you know, at, at a drive-in or, or trying to get them played at the Roy Thompson hall again. And, and, you know, even at the Lightbox or Scotiabank theater for press. Um, so I, I, it's, it's, you know, I'm cautiously optimistic, but at the same time, um, I think it's it's not going to be uh, as smooth going this time around uh, compared to last year, where like last year, I honestly thought that there would be more problems with yeah. sort of the online platform. of, And it uh, went pretty smoothly. Yeah. yeah, there there wasn't really there might have been like a hiccup here and there, but there, it just went buy in a way that kind of felt like okay like this is a lot better than like you know having to navigate tiff's uh website in general and and having to use sort of uh Ticketmaster, which is 
just a nightmare <laughs> right uh, even sometimes. on the press side of things trying to get all the tickets and stuff yeah, yeah. and and that and that's probably the the most convoluted aspect of sort of like the tiff site maintenance and things like that um but this will be kind of like i think even during the like the day of like a like that dune screening i know we you said we would get into it but that dune screening is going to be very interesting uh in terms of how they proceed with that because obviously that's at this point is going to be the big ticket item yeah Uh, that's going to be the movie that everybody wants to go and see at the cinesphere specifically um and depending on like how many screenings because we don't have schedules yet either no uh, how many screenings there are of it if it's all going to be at that theater um because i'm sure denny Villeneuve <clears throat> specifically wants it to screen there uh you know we saw first man uh there he sat right beside ago, us and he <laughs> yeah. sat right next to us uh the damien chazelle film so you know like that's where he he probably has his heart set in, in having that movie play mm-hmm. um yeah, it, it'll just be fascinating because like last year, again, for the most part, we had access to pretty much everything um, with the exception of a couple of things. But then we even had, you know, certain studios were kind enough to send us, um, you know, a digital link to if to it wasn't on films. the TIFF. Yeah, the site, only thing yeah. we didn't have was was Ammonite, which, again, like thinking in retrospect that somebody like would pay two hundred dollars for you know a ticket to go and see Ammonite you know in in the theater and then like, <laughs> so disappointing film, yeah yeah and the yeah. film being one disappointing but also two just like when it came out uh on premium vod like it just no one cared yeah yeah i know that's what's so interesting and like it'll be so to get into the movies that were announced um eric already mentioned that uh denny villeneuve's dune will be having a special screening at the ontario cinesphere imax theater uh, so with the wording there, I kind of assume that that'll be a one-off screening, just one screening at the Cinesphere. It will not probably be available on the digital platform or anything like that. Uh, maybe it gets a couple other normal screenings at like, you know, Roy Thompson Hall or something like that as like a secondary or third screening. But like I could also see it just playing IMAX one night only. And, and like you said, that'll be a tough ticket to get because if they have to do social distancing, you got to think maybe a 50% capacity at most, maybe only 25% capacity for some of these things. Like um, that's not a ton of seats. Like it's a big theater I think there's five, 600 seats in there, but like that's still going to be a really tough ticket. Um, to get um but you also have edgar wright's uh last night in soho uh melanie laurence la belle defaut uh and she's, Bened- and she's a can um, jury member this year too yeah so. uh benediction from terence davies uh belfast from kenneth kenneth brana uh charlotte by uh eric warren and uh tahir rana um you got uh, diane uh, diane warwick don't make me over by dave woolley david uh hillbroner uh the guilty by anton fuqua uh jagged uh which is the alanis morissette uh documentary um uh by allison clayman uh you got night riders by uh denny goulet um you have uh petite maman by celine skama uh you have the starling by theodore melfi uh, and that's what they've announced so far. So, uh, with more movies, uh, coming out, uh, 
you know, being announced in the upcoming weeks. I'm not sure when their next announcement is scheduled for probably soon. We're in July. I mean, they didn't, that was the other thing about this. Like there wasn't really like, usually there is a a schedule to when, you know, like the first wave is announced and then the second wave of films are announced and so on and so forth with that first drop. There wasn't, it it was just kind of like, it just, it happens. So, you know, between now and, you know, the end of August, I mean, anything could happen in terms of when the announcements come up. Right. Not- we could uh, we could tomorrow morning wake up to another batch and this will be completely irrelevant. <laughs> yeah. Or even this afternoon. Like it's yeah. like it's one. I mean, it won't be this afternoon just because the Cannes Film Festival just started. But I feel like maybe like we'll be safe for the next couple of weeks because of Cannes. Um, yeah sort of, or at least the next week yeah yeah taking away the attention from that festival because after it premieres we might get you know the announcement of what movies from can are making the crossover to tiff right yeah and and i'm sure there will be a couple sundance movies as well that'll end up playing like something like pleasure i'm sure will kind of come back and into the fold into the fest the fall festival season so yeah stuff that it hasn't come out yet yeah yeah and and so that'll be uh really interesting like with the edgar wright film um it's also his first movie to play at tiff which i was kind of surprised by because you think like at least one of his movies would have played at the festival yeah uh, that is surprising yeah no, I, I guess that's that's right. Right, like even something. I mean, not Scott Pilgrim's not a TIFF movie, and it came out in August, I think. Right? Yeah. Um, uh, but still, something that's very Toronto focused. But he's always been connected to Toronto in some way because of Scott Pilgrim, and he likes it here and 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 stuff like that. So, yeah, I mean, I'm very excited, obviously, for Last Night in Soho. Uh, what do you think of the other kind of the lineup as a whole that they've announced? Obviously, probably the Scamma movie you're excited for. Yeah, the Celine Siama um, film. I'm I'm excited. Oh yeah, Siama. Sorry, uh, no, it's okay. My, I mean, my very I, Canadian accent, Scamma. Celine Scamma. The only reason why I I know it is because I've said it like a hundred so many times, times. Um, Siama. yeah well that played at, at berlin so oh it did and, and okay so did, and so did uh uh night raiders um so both of those played uh berlin so you are seeing some uh you know early uh winter festival titles yeah. coming over and and, and Celine Siama, i mean a lot of her stuff has played uh the festival circuit before so it's it's kind of a no-brainer that um you know neon and elevation pictures would want to sort of bring that one uh to north america um in the fall and um i mean obviously i've heard really good things about it and for the most part she's kind of like she hasn't had a bad film so Mm -hmm. um yeah i'm really excited about that last night in soho dune obviously um i'm just more curious about like thor director kenneth brana has a new film (laughs) Oh, <laughs> Artemis Fowl director, you mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, but that's also interesting as well because I didn't realize that that film was shot in black and white. Um, which you know, like, there's a couple movies that are coming out this year. Uh, the Mike Mills film as well, even though that hasn't been announced anywhere yet. Um, with Joaquin Phoenix, um, was also is also black and white. So, um, I'm I'm curious about that, and hopefully Belfast will be maybe a little bit of a return to form for sir kenneth brana i mean it certainly has to be better than uh artemis fowl which yeah is and, just and like, weirdly this is coming out before death on the nile right because that got pushed punted to next year because that's a whole other you know clusterfuck yeah it seems like everybody is tainted <clears throat> by that film that's in the cast for the most part now with maybe the exception of sir kenneth Branagh. <laughs> yeah 
Disney's. Do you think they'll just? Uh, we won't get into that. That's. I think what will tiff, probably but... happen is they'll just end up streaming it. They'll just drop it at one point and they'll bury it. I think it. so too. Yeah. yeah. Or they'll sell it to Netflix. Um, yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, I'm I'm very intrigued by the lineup so far. It's not a ton of movies, but um, it's I'm, it's just very hopeful, right? Like it's, it is it's, even it's with the with Dune and Soho that. being two big high profile movies. Um, where last year, not saying that TIFF always needs those big, you know, Hollywood studio movies or something like that. But they like do that. thrive like, on those. They, they it, I do. mean, you need a, I, I love TIFF because it always has a balance of that stuff with kind of the indie stuff and foreign stuff. And like TIFF always to me has a nice, perfectly balanced kind of lineup of stuff for everyone. And I feel like that stuff also, you know, gets butts in the seats, gets money to the festival kind of thing too. Like we joked about the, uh, you know, Sir Kenneth Branagh's follow up to Artemis Fowl, but I guarantee out of all of those movies, with the exception of Dune, that's probably going to be one of the highest <clears throat> sort of profile films because Sir Kenneth Branagh is well regarded within sort of the boomer generation and, you know, with the Shakespeare crowd and seeing that this is going to be kind of a coming of age story set against the backdrop of, you know, the IRA and you know, in Ireland at that point in the 19, I think what the 1960s, 70s. So um, that like, I feel like that's going to be kind of one of those films that will generate a lot of buzz. It's also a studio movie. I mean, being universal and focus features specifically. um, Yeah. As much as I love Celine Sciamma, she's not going to necessarily, you know, maybe with, (laughs) the <laughs> lady on fire she has more sort of cachet to her name but um you know as much as i love like a lot of the international films and things like that you also have to think like okay well tiff is running a business and even more so this year than any other year they're probably really sort of conscious about the idea of bringing in maybe even some more populist films um Be- yeah just because they make up on on last exactly year. yeah and just make money in general right like i'm not saying that these other films don't sell like what you're saying like most tiff movies not even most actually like um it it always does well and i think people will be if theaters open up in a couple weeks and we have a month and a bit before tiff of theaters being open i think you know people will i mean people went last year um in person so i feel like this year i hope they have a huge bounce back year but even something like anton uh antoine fuqua's the guilty playing like that feels like a tiff ass movie to me of that like netflix crime thriller Being that a like remake, though, yeah of this really of, yeah. acclaimed sort of you know danish Nordic, film right yeah film and and like um like but that's also I and it's got bill talk- burr come on <laughs> <laughs> but i also think that that's worth mentioning is that netflix is back in is in back with yeah the, with the fall festival season because netflix <clears throat> literally took the whole year off and, and didn't have any of their films uh play uh any of uh the fall festival um sort of circuit at all and i think that might have benefited something like you know um i'm thinking of ending things if that played at one of the festivals so you have to think like something like blonde which did screen for um terry Fremo and and the other um sort of can programmers but netflix and can are still at odds with one another but you have to think that that's going to show up somewhere at some point as well probably tiff i'd assume or venice or both right yeah. like dune is playing both uh halloween kills was announced for venice as well <laughs> um so you gotta think like in the midnight madness thing does peter 
um, continue that after having, you know, the 2018 Halloween movie premiere at the festival. If that's also playing Venice, will that trickle down to Midnight Madness here? Um, I'd like to assume so, but who knows, right? It I know it's playing Golden Lion winner by the time it, it, it plays. Hey, Joker did, man. So <laughs> never say never. Um, so I, yeah, that's what I'm excited for. Like, it feels like a return to normalcy in a little bit. And maybe this is what TIFF is going to be moving forward. Like if they saw some success with the outdoor screenings and the drive-in the- uh, screenings, like a lot of festivals in Europe and other places have those things as a normal part of their festival, right? Maybe not the drive-in screenings, but like I love like when I went to the uh, the film festival in Croatia with Nevis and they had outdoor screenings and I saw the Mia Hansen Love movie, like I – I thought that was fantastic. Like if the weather is there, like seeing it at an outdoor screening, sitting outside, they served beers and they had like a little party afterwards. Like that stuff's a blast. Like I really do hope that they just, if they saw a success in that, that like once everything goes back to normal, that should be a normal part of the festival. And like even the drive-in things, if you can, like drive-in movie theaters are kind of making a comeback and um, it is a little kitschy and, and, you know, it was in necessity for the times that we're in, but like it could be a fun thing to continue at the festival just to give, you know, people a different option and a different experience. Cause like, that's kind of what I love about TIFF is like, yes, you're just sitting in a movie theater for two weeks straight, but like it is a festival and it is this celebration of the movies <laughs> and like, um, and it really like, that's why I love it. It's like the best experience I'm going to have watching a movie minus maybe not the Scotiabank screenings, but like, um, if you go to a, a public screening at Lightbox or Roy Thompson hall or Elgin, Elgin and winter garden are part of it this year, but Pr- uh, princess of Wales. And like now these outdoor screenings and things like that, it's like an experience you don't really get on your week to week basis, going to your local multiplex, especially if you go to a Roy Thompson hall or princess of Wales or something like that. And like, that's what I love. So bringing in those outdoor screenings, which you wouldn't necessarily be able to see a a brand new movie at something like that or a drive-in. And it's like a sort of premium drive-in experience, right? Cause most drive-ins are, hella old and like a little janky um so when i think they had like a big led screen last year it wasn't traditional projection it was more of a digital screen which you know i i i'd rather projection in a actual cinema but like in a driving experience i think the led screen is the supreme thing to have and i it's too expensive for most drive-ins to have but it the bright you can control the brightness there and you're going to be able to see the movie throughout where a projection screen at a typical drive-in sometimes it's a little bit wonky right but um yeah this stuff excites me and i'm excited to see the other programs of like what peter will do for midnight madness this year will he have more than the four movies he had last year right was it four yeah it's I three believe, uh, it was three. three right was it yeah um three movies i think he maybe uh some other movies he helped program and yeah other, no he did um, but but three was because it was so it was so limited last year for a lot of the um sort of the smaller programs within the festival where like special presentations and you know the so they were kind of the more the the focal point where y- you looked at yeah midnight madness specifically only had what violation <laughs> um shadow in the cloud and um oh, that taiwanese movie uh 
see you in hell or something no something in hell yeah um which we didn't like yeah um but like that was those were the the three big ones you know like for for them and that was and that was it but this year i could see like you know halloween kills and if there's something else that like if a quiet place 2 was still coming out in october this year like that probably would have played um so it would be interesting to see like you know what other sort of horror movies around uh september october november might like studio wise but there's still a lot of like i'm sure a lot of really great small kind of movies that we don't even really know about yet as well that peter is is tracking as well Mm-hmm. yeah and congrats to cameron bailey for being uh invited to the academy that's yep. pretty cool as well uh shout out to him um that was a pleasant surprise when i was reading through the invite list i was like oh cool cameron bailey's in that random list at the end of like uh members at large um so i thought that was really cool as well so um yeah so we'll get uh probably they're still doing the tribute awards uh which they're co-producing with uh, bell studios and it'll be on ctv again this year um they're also going to announce what's going to happen with the industry and the press uh and industry screenings uh, in late july um it says as the things are finalized with the theaters reopening so you got to think that if i mean this is inside baseball stuff but it interests me and you um you got to think that if theaters open like would cineplex even want to shut down scotiabank for two weeks for press i guess they have to outweigh like will tiff give them more money than they would be able to make with it being open because i just think of being shut down for a year and a half do you want to shut down again for another two weeks or what the hell's the difference at this point tiff will give them a chunk of money to do it um i just don't know how that would go about there'd probably be less much less press again again one for people can't travel or two um they just have to let less because of capacity reasons um or maybe you have to book all your screenings this year like for pni screenings instead of just lining up for you know uh lining up at the theater and it's the first couple hundred people like that just avoids having massive crowds like maybe it'll be a ticketed based system with your pass if um if they do do in public screenings but things like that yeah like i think like you might have to actually book a ticket to a screening rather than it just being scan your badge at the door kind of thing right like if they do it me this is me hypothesizing who knows um but maybe they'll keep an eye on what can is doing as well. Right. And, and, and see how that all goes first before they kind of decide uh, what to do. Cause I feel like with people being vaccinated, they will like if cans any sign of things, like there is a good amount of critics who went to France this year for can. Right. So will they come to Canada uh, for it? I think a good amount of people probably would. Right. I don't think maybe you're going to get as many, well, especially um, people that are living in the U.S. and yeah. in, in North America in general, I think like people flying over to you know Europe specifically and go over going overseas, that's one thing to do. But to still be on you know in on the continent in the country, you know, like that is another thing where it's kind of like I could see more people trying to get into TIFF than going to you know can you know and it's probably also a little bit cheaper too um speaking of of you know oh, cost expenses yeah. and things like that <clears throat> yeah so it'll be interesting to see i hope they do an in-person uh p and i if we get accredited we don't know last year um 
we did not receive press accreditation, although you did industry, but like, um, and I'm cool with, obviously again, whatever happens, happens. If I don't get it, then I'll buy some public tickets and I'll do it that way, but, or an industry badge or something like that. So either way, I will be attending TIFF this year. I plan on going in person. So, uh, whether that's, you know, I, I don't know if we'll necessarily stay in Toronto or anything this year. Like I might just be going in depending on what the PNI thing is. If it's just a classic PNI where screenings are from 8 a.m. till whatever, then, you know, we'll figure that part out. But I'm just uh, I highly doubt that. I think obviously it'll be way toned down, but um, I'm excited to just get back out there and, and do TIFF, even if it is like this hybrid festival just because like i'm comfortable being double vax now and they'll do social distancing and stuff you'd have to do reserve seating for p and i stuff like just because of the logistics of everything i think so which would add a whole nother element of it of booking seats and stuff like that but yeah and that could also you know cause some problems as well <laughs> yeah. where i could see like you know uh, sites crashing or like conflict between fellow critics because like by the time you get to like day three or four of the festival people can be very punchy at that point uh not punchy and like physically punchy but like kind of just moody um so that'll be really interesting to see how that works hopefully you know they'll figure out something that will um make the festival run as smoothly as it did last year um but yeah i agree like i I would like to go back and, and sit in a theater and, and watch some of these movies, especially like, I mean, even though Scotiabank's not the greatest theater, especially with its upkeep and sort of not doing proper masking and things like that. But Do you think they updated it during this whole close down of anything? No, I don't. <laughs> uh, but I don't think they did that with any theater, you know, whether it be yeah. Cineplex or Landmark or anything. I think like it's just they kind of left it and it's just been frozen in time. I think um, we can convince them to make Landmark the P&I location. It's big. It's got lots of, lots of theaters. Just... Oh, you would not hear the end of it. Like that's the one thing about Toronto, like, core toronto press even it's like and i'm sure it's like that with new like new yorkers as well or like major cities it's like if you do not step outside ever of sort of the downtown core um you are so adverse to anything that's in the greater toronto area (laughs) whether it be east or west but it would be a great theater for it but there's no way you could uh... but, but like people in toronto think that like there's no way they'd ever do it it's too far out of the city yeah but but, like like people in toronto think like you know durham is all conservative based like you know there's there's a certain amount of ignorance and 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 hearsay when it comes to (laughs) toronto press towards uh anything outside of toronto yeah anyways i'm i'm pumped for tiff can't wait to uh hear the the rest of the announcements over the summer um and uh can't wait uh eric i'm gonna pop to the washroom but you tell the people what you've kind of been watching lately and i'll jump back in when i come back yeah sure i i I mean i've been watching a lot of stuff and i'll just try to run through some of it as quickly as possible because uh we'd be here probably for another hour and a half if i went through every single thing and sort of you know went through uh major reviews but kind of keeping on the festival train i watched no sudden move the steven soderbergh movie written by ed solomon um i really like the ensemble cast overall and sort of the setting of the film um i think Cheadle, uh, don Cheadle, and uh benicio del toro you know traffic reunion 
um, are, are solid here in, in lead roles of kind of, you know, a film that's all about double crossing and triple crossing and keeping the plot as convoluted as possible uh, in, you know, the vein of any sort of um, heist movie or even sort of detective kind of thriller. Like it, it very much kind of rings true to the hard boiled stuff, but even like, you know, Chinatown being directly kind of convoluted in it's sort of storytelling that it's supposed to be intentionally confusing uh, to a certain degree. I just found that, for a movie that is trying to be of the time taking place in Detroit, 1954 um, to the point of the, you know, the aesthetics and the titles and everything of, you know, that particular era, you know, the film is digitally shot and there are these sort of fisheye lens sort of, you know, roaming tracking shots that um, Soderbergh will sort of interject that, kind of makes it look like there's either something wrong with your television or that it's just not really working and you know there's a lot of movies in in the recent years and i think it's partly because of you know michael mann kind of trying to do it with public enemies where you're getting a lot of period stuff that everything else other than you know the cameras are completely committed to the style of that era of filmmaking that they're working in, whether it be something like Mank or even, you know, like talking about, you know, Fear Street 1994. Um, it's just a shame that they're not shot on film because that's the one thing that kind of does take me out of it a little bit, that it doesn't feel like an artifact of that time where everything else around it is trying to be that. Um, also, Don Cheadle being very good in this compared to the Ocean movies where he has this weird cockney accent, accent that doesn't yeah. make any sense here he has this kind of gruff almost like smoker voice kind of accent that works for the character and sort of the rough around the edges style that the movie is employing but again that kind of clean sort of um focus of everything kind of being sort of almost looked like a fisheye lens from what i saw yeah that, like, looking looking so oh good. but then you're saying the cleanness of the digital cinematography yeah, yeah. but but the i mentioned the fisheye lens as well like just yeah. like the way that when the camera pans to kind of show you sort of like a master shot or sort of an establishing shot um it just kind it's of got this weird like jarring yeah the edges oh like i only watched i, I put it on and then i realized i was not in the mood for it so i was like you know what i want to be i, I want to give this movie a shot so i'm going to turn this off and, and i only watched the first five minutes or whatever yeah. i got until brendan fraser showed up and i was like i can't do this <laughs> can't do this anymore uh no i'm kidding um but yeah I, I totally agree with you when it comes to the digital cinematography for period pieces and and some movies can and I, i'm trying to think of an example i think we had one recently like even if you put like well i mentioned mank the, being like mank mank and fear street are yeah. films that you know obviously mank specifically which is the weird one where like everything else in mank is like we're going to be shooting mono sound which would be yeah. in like the 1940s early 1940s and then you know it's going to be digital because obviously you know it's less expensive but when you're working for you know netflix david fincher is a guy who has carte blanche when it comes to that stuff or Kate blanchett if you're a 22 jump street fan <laughs> um or you know, uh, curious case of ben Benjamin Button as well. Um, and it just kind of feels like, well, they're not, you're not committing to the, 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 the 
sort of the artistry and the aesthetic of the time completely. And the same thing with, with fear street where it's like, so you're a nineties movie. And like at that point, films in the nineties were still being shot on film. And you know, it, it just, if you it, really it, wanted to capture, yeah, the, if you're the doing everything period. else, why not shoot it on film? You know, I just think most people, it, it's so. I bet you some people don't even know how to anymore. <laughs> like, oh, I, I, I completely oh my, agree with that. But I yeah. think people like Fincher and Soderbergh. Sure, do. they don't it's have just an like excuse. They're, yeah. they're, the thing with Fincher is that <laughs> his justification is well, like I know, do so sh- many takes. <laughs> yeah, where it, it's it's less time to to set up, you know, a digital shot or retake than having to reload a camera with i feel like soderbergh it's just the quickness of it as well yeah 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 soderbergh's one of those guys who's cheap and cheerful where like i I love soderbergh in terms of like i like not everything he's always hit or miss but i love that he's just a guy that's out there always wanting to make something and like it's just even funny thinking about like watching this film like the best scene in, in this movie there's sort of a a home invasion sequence that takes place early on and it goes in a direction that you don't necessarily see coming and in a very kind of almost amicable kind of manner and everything's very calm cool and collected or at least trying to keep it that way um but what i love about soderbergh what i was even thinking about watching this is like you know he's going from one movie with you know let them let them talk uh to no sudden move and he's literally like filming or already in post-production on Kimmy, which is like this agoraphobic thriller with Zoe Kravitz in the lead, which almost sounds like um, a riff on copycat. Uh, so like the guys, <laughs> all, like I think he's just one of those guys that he just needs to be making something. And I, just I know he admire that. Yeah, I know. I, and he does so much that I feel like, I, and now that he's kind of teamed up with HBO max and stuff that I almost like, it goes so under the radar for me that I just forget that they come out or the forget that he made a movie. Cause I didn't even see let them all talk yet. Yeah. I have, I've, I haven't watched no sudden move. And um, I mean, I love high flying bird and I even liked unsane um, his two iPhone movies. Um, but and that's the kind that, of thing. Logan like, Lucky, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. And I think like, he's just one of those guys, at least from Logan Lucky onward, um, because there was that gap where he retired after uh, <laughs> Candelabra. Um, well, retired but, in quotes because he was a second unit director yeah. on the Hunger Games sequels. Uh, he <laughs> Which was just st- so weird. He was still the cinematographer <laughs> on uh, the Magic Mike sequel. Yeah. And Ghost directed that. Like a lot of people think that he, yeah. he basically directed that in the same way that Spielberg directed Poltergeist. Um, and then he also directed all of the the Nick, which was season right. One and so two, right? retired, but <laughs> yeah. retired from directing he, a movie. He, he, he kind of launched his own website and like sells it was uh, re-editing fucking movies in black yeah, and white right? and things yeah. like that and, and sells liquor and it's like the guy is always doing something yeah and that's what i mean by like with let them all talk and no sudden move they both kind of just like because they dropped on hbo max which is crave here in canada I that i've just kind though. of like i i just kind of like i didn't see let them all talk and um because you're meryl streep and uh, yeah version. yeah yeah i know it's but, fine let them all talk is fine and and so I think after Laundromat, I really didn't like Laundromat at all. Yeah, which and again, I like, think... is the Netflix thing. So, like, High Flying Bird was kind of like a, a, a high watermark for him. Like, I was, I think it's one of his best movies in recent memory. Um, I agree completely. And then the Laundromat, I remember like that. <clears throat> oh God, I remember talking to a couple Golden Globe 
members about that film and they were not bothered at wow, all. Oh, that's like the... 60% of their membership if you yeah. saw a couple of them. Well, they were not bothered by the brown face. Like, <laughs> oh, that of was, course they were That was yeah. the thing that they were, like I was telling them, like I was saying that like, I, I felt uncomfortable with it and they were like, really? What's wrong with that? And I was like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just remember being fucking baffled by that <laughs> and yeah. being like, wait, this movie in 2019 is doing that and Meryl Streep is doing that. I'm like, what? I just, I get it's satire, but like, is it though? <laughs> and I'm like, and that does, it's not really an excuse, but um, God, that movie is something. And I think that maybe burnt me out. Like I, I really did. And Logan Lucky, I'm a bit mixed on. I still like it overall. Um, My brother Kyle loves that movie. Like he's watched that thing. Like, three or four times really i, I like it as well i, I like I mean, it it's it i mean like the joke is that it's you know the Ocean 7-11 yeah. hillbilly version and and i think that yeah. that's adequate like it is basically a heist movie but um yeah like it's it's <clears throat> high flying bird like out of the the streaming stuff that he's done i think is is the best but i just i'm also just i just want him to keep working as well like i just want oh, him totally, to keep yeah. going until like he drops even if it's hit or miss like it's still worth it I'll like i do want to watch yeah. i do i still do want to watch no sudden move and maybe i'll get around to uh let them all talk but um they're both like again with streaming movies it's either like we cover it or i'm like i i just I won't get to it. I don't know why. Like if we're reviewing it for the show, you know, and get a screener for something. Well, you're I, kind I of make... forcing yourself to do it. Yeah. And, and cause I committed to something and I'm going to do it. Um, but if it just comes out and I didn't get a screener for it, I'm like, I'll get to it. And then I just never do. Right. And then like, it's, and they're always sitting in my queue and I'm like, when am I going to be in the mood for this? Um, and if another thing being in a, you know, a relationship and living with someone where you, you want to watch a lot of stuff with that person, um, you always have to align on what you want to watch or else I'm not getting around to it unless it's work for this. <laughs> it's like, so if Nevis isn't interested in something, I'm like, okay, I'll get around to watching that by myself. And then I'm like, I don't know if I'll ever do that, but no sudden move. I do, uh, want to watch and I, I plan on doing it soon. Um, but there's just, there's so much content, Eric, so much content. It's a great cast too. Like that's the other yeah. thing about Soderbergh movies. Is he like, can always just get everyone. He yeah. gets, a, yeah, he gets amazing people. And, and like <laughs> half of the time it's like, how in the hell did he like, cause obviously like that was the other thing with no sudden move. That was a movie that was, it was the original title was uh kill switch and it was going to be him. Like Clooney was going to be, I think Clooney was going to be the, um, the del Toro lead, but because of the pandemic, scheduling wise things changed but like it still amazes me like the cast that he's able to get for like every film that he does and and even in like the smaller roles and like especially like matt damon who's in this in no sudden move is literally giving off like ned beady vibes and and network but in 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 terms of sort of capitalism and sort of um you know being part of the automotive industry and and it just it's incredible like the guy attracts so many like you know big middle sort of up-and-coming names it's just such a really um embarrassment of riches when it comes to his cast yeah like having like even seeing brendan fraser pop up for that moment but then also having people like you know you have david harbour john ham ray liotta like bill duke julia fox you said damon already like amy simons um, noah yeah. Jupe. like it's 
it's ridiculous how good that cast is um, yeah. overall. And like, and again, like most, like a lot of his movies are like, you look at like his ensemble stuff. It's, it's pretty good. Like, yeah. um, so, you know, like people want to work with them for sure. Um, I can jump in if you want. Yeah. Um, go for it. I, you know, most of the stuff I've been watching has been for reviews. So you guys can check out uh, our other show untitled movie reviews where you can get, Reviews for all the Tribeca stuff, which mentioned, you can also get reviews for Luca, um, fatherhood, um, the, uh, the, the fear street part one, black widow forever purge tomorrow war. So you guys can go get all those. That That's kind of the stuff I've been watching on the film side of things. The one thing I did watch, uh, which I tweeted out cause I'm prepping cause the sequel's coming out. I watched escape room for the first time. <laughs> um, so it's been sitting in my queue for a while because I bought it for like $5 in 4K or whatever. Um, and I remember you saying you're like, yeah, it was fine or whatever. You're like it, you, you know, there's I, I forget what exactly you said, but you didn't say that you hated it, I don't think. But no, it's, uh, it's it was an above average January release for the first yeah. movie released of that year. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I threw it on because Tournament of Champions is coming out in a well, couple weeks. We can weeks. see that in theaters um, if it's if theaters are open. Yeah, then, which I, I will because I yeah. watch this and, you know, for I'm a saw boy. Everyone knows that. Go check out our review of Spiral. Um, I believe you referred to this as bougie <laughs> saw. It was bougie saw. So I was just like, this is literally like if Jigsaw was Bruce Wayne, I said, like, it's like if Jigsaw was hella rich and he was just like, I'm going to make the most elaborate saw trap of all time. Um, Which essentially is the game in a lot of ways. Yeah. Yes. Except it's, and, it's in one location and, and Michael Douglas is <clears throat> sort of taken all across the U.S. and Mexico. Yeah. Which I would love to rewatch the game, actually. Um, I haven't watched it in a while. Um, but you know what, there's nothing spectacular in escape room, but I just love the idea. Like I like escape rooms in general and I like the idea of like puzzles and like, that's to me, some of the more interesting parts of saw, but this again, felt like a bougie slick version of that, which almost like works to an, it's, it's advantage of like, there's nothing kind of gross, super gross or, uh, grimy or kind of sleazy it just feels like you know a, like a well-polished version of that and um I, I don't know i i liked it learning about each character and kind of going through each room and finding out what the riddle or what the the key to the room was and each thing them finding out you know oh this can actually kill us and um i like the cast overall i mean we were talking to about this off um <clears throat> off uh recording when i when i first watched it but like um some good canadian actors in there that you haven't seen in a while and um and sorry what's the main girl's name again taylor um, russell taylor russell who's uh, in waves and is going to be in luca guadagnino's uh next movie with timothy yeah. chalamet bones and all which you made a good point about that um of just being like this being a film where you're going to go oh that's where we first saw her and things like that or Tyler Labine is the other guy that we were talking about who was in Breaker High and and some Canadian stuff and um you see him pop up randomly and things and um again not a great movie but for like a a movie you sort of have Miller to... as well right yeah Who's... Logan Miller who you keep saying looks like um Fred Heckinger Fred yeah Hershinger Hershinger, or whatever um yeah so I don't know I I kind of I vibed with it I I 
mildly enjoyed it throughout the entire thing. And I was like, you know what? I would definitely watch a sequel. Like I just like an escape room that can kill you. I'm like, that's fun. (laughs) I'm like, I don't know. Like, I don't think that it's doing anything um, from its storytelling. That's like groundbreaking, but um, it's like someone was like, Hey, what happens if we made a saw movie? That's not totally gross and looks like shit. (laughs) like it looks like the cinematography is very digital is very clean like all of the rooms are very elaborate and i just like the idea of this like well they stupid... put money into it like, like yeah. that's the thing that's the big difference is like oh they had they actually i mean it was probably still a very modest it's still budget, nine million dollar budget but yeah but it yeah. looks like you know a 200 million dollar movie compared to saw to a saw movie yeah so um and yeah you know what i don't have much else to say other than like if you like escape rooms and you like the saw movies, like I just feel like it's a no brainer to just, you know, throw it on, on a, you know, weekend evening. And then kind of just, to me, it's an easy watch. Like, I don't think that there's anything super gross, like in saw or like some of the deaths are, you know, uncomfortable, but I don't think that there's anything like horrifically like scarring in the movie. No, they're not exploitative or like, you know, they're not gruesome in any way. It's just, it's more so like, okay, there, there is a threat that each room has. And it almost weirdly, <laughs> it almost weirdly, I mean, like there is, there's always the, the formula to these movies of like a character. That's what I mean. It, it's very, room. yeah. But it's, it's basically almost like you could look at it as like, you know, Willy Wonka, how like each kid sure, like, yeah. has gets their, taken out. Gets, yeah, yeah. Except with the escape room, there's no Oompa Loompas who come in afterwards and sing a song about, you know, the morality of that character. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You just get flashbacks that you, you have to piece together until the end. Um, but I like the idea of this, you know, big corporation that just wants to, you know, kill people that. In, yeah. In I mean, it's, it's rooms. a little bit like, um, cube as well in that way where it's like, it's, it's all by design. It's not like there's like a real sort of intention behind it all other than like the company is just creating, you know, these, these, puzzle rooms to escape Mm -hmm. out of and and that's that's it like it's not necessarily like oh we're you know we're doing this because it's actually leading to something important or like it's saving humanity or something like that it's like nah we're just doing it because we can (laughs) yeah and that's kind of the movie like there's no real like it's it's pretty familiar and it's not like i said it's not doing anything you other than the rooms themselves, you're trying to also figure it out with the characters, which I think is one of the fun parts of going, okay, what's the twist in this room? What's the riddle? Who is this room targeting kind of thing? Like that's the stuff that I think is kind of fun and I think kind of works. And um, again, I like the cast. I like the vibe of the movie and um, it's a huge suspension of disbelief, especially even at the end of the movie, this movie came out years ago. So sorry, if you haven't watched it, you should go watch it. But like, well, they set seeing, up the sequel. At the yeah. End of this and movie. seeing the <laughs> company, like building everything. I'm like, this is ridiculous. What is this company? And I'm like, this is so stupid. And like, even how elaborate the rooms are of trying to kill you and, and how, you know, Again, it's just it, it's it's pretty funny um, when you get to the actual like, wait a minute, <laughs> this could not happen. Um, so anyways, I, I, I enjoyed Escape Room, you know, Tournament of Champions is in a couple weeks. So uh, will we be reviewing it now that I've seen it? Sure. Why not? Um, we'll hit up Sony. So um, I'm, I'm weirdly, mildly excited to see Escape Room Tournament of Champions. Uh, and you do have like Taylor Russell and Logan Miller coming back for that, which I think is uh, something in 
you know, in the Saw movies, you had a couple characters, you know, continue, but the people who were actually, you know, you didn't have like a main character throughout. How dare you, sir? Tobin Bell. Well, yeah, sure. Jigsaw, the killer. And like, but I like this being like a faceless organization and stuff like that. Almost like the bad guy in fucking Inspector Gadget. <laughs> like, oh, uh, Mr. Claw. Uh, yeah, or whatever. But, um, Anyways, that's escape room. And then I've been watching uh, some TV, really. Like, that's what I've been kind of... I've been following Euro Cup uh, and the NHL playoffs still. So um, that's been taking up, like, a big chunk of my time. Like, there's some games on today. I might even be missing some of the semifinals in in Euro. But Germany's out. Croatia's out. So, um, you know, I've kind of fallen out of the the tail end of Euro because my family's background is German. Nevis's family's Croatian. So we were kind of following it for that reason. And then with the NHL playoffs, um, Montreal is in the finals. So I'm cheering against them <laughs> because <laughs> I can't. I Yeah, just I'm a petty, petty bitch. So I got to cheer against the Montreal Canadiens just because I'm jealous uh, mostly. Uh, and they're down three to one. They won last night to survive. So um, if they come back, dear God, Eric, I can't, I can't deal with that. Um, and then I've been, I finished the leftovers, Eric. So all three yeah. seasons of the leftovers, it's fantastic. Damon Lindelof should get uh Kate Blanchett to do whatever he wants over on HBO. I know his next series is up over at Peacock, but um, really I, I would give that guy the keys to the kingdom and let, keys let him do anything. Key. Yeah, like I, I really after, you know, how obsessed I was with Lost and I defend the last season of Lost in the finale. Um, but you see a lot of that in the leftovers, obviously, like the, the last season of Lost and just Lost as a whole and even the religious element of Lost really is prevalent throughout all of leftovers. And and it really does feel like an extension and, a you know, him learning from you know, the sins of lost and, and turning them into something quite special with the leftovers. And I, I mentioned it to you and I haven't publicly tweeted it or anything. Cause I just know people really do love the leftovers the people who watched it. But like, I think I enjoyed lost more as a whole. Uh, that will be a controversial statement to some. Well, it was also um, your first, like you saw it before. And like I think I, that's what I was saying with Nevis. Cause she was saying like, she hasn't fin- we haven't finished the last season of lost yet. Cause I'm an idiot and we watched five seasons and didn't watch the fifth one. So we got to go back and finish it, but we got to um, go back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Love it. Um, I was obsessed with lost and I feel like why I like that show more is cause yeah, when it came out where I was in my life, like it was the first thing and, and really the first TV show. I remember like a dramatic TV show that I was obsessed with. Listened to the podcast, went on Lostopedia, read theories, like was in it every week for 24 weeks at a time for those first couple seasons. And then uh, as you got into the shorter seasons later, um, I was just obsessed with it and wanted to know every mystery, loved every character. And, and I really do feel like leftovers has all of that. And it is a better show overall because it's tighter. Um, it sticks with its, you know, main themes it's going with and doesn't jump around too much, but still has a lot of those elements. And, and it's a bridge th- between both Watchmen, Watchmen and, and lost, lost yeah. right? to see like kind of how Damien Lindelof, <clears throat> evolved as a writer and sort of taking the idea of you know this novel that served as the basis for the first season but then kind of going sort of off the beaten path and creating you know basically rebooting uh the series twice in season two and three and 
each season being its own thing even but while still having yeah storylines as well but it still felt it doesn't like reboot it completely because it's still you know the stuff in the first and second season is still very important to this yeah it's not an anthology series or anything like that but it does feel like season one is so different to season two and season Season two two, and three are more similar but yeah yeah like like it almost feels like like season one is like you know like it's all if it were a mullet like season one would be the business end of the mullet and then season two and three would be you know the the party end where it's like letting its hair down and kind of just getting into the minutia of the world and exploring stuff that it doesn't necessarily (laughs) feel like okay we've done everything that the book has kind of already set out and now let's just figure out this show and and have fun with it oh it really comes i still love the first season but i i really think it does come into its own in that second season and then goes even further into that third season i think the second season is my favorite um i just feel like it you know the first reveal of going to that hotel and like starting to develop those kind of the theme of this afterlife and then um and and i think you know, I just some of the stuff in Australia in the third season um, with uh, everyone there and the end of the world and trying to figure out, you know, trying to save that and, and stuff like that. Spoilers for leftovers, sort of. I won't go into the main main reveals, but um, I don't know that second season in Miracle. I just uh, I really, really loved the, the, from start to finish. And the first season I thought was great uh, being in Mapleton and with the guilty remnant and, and stuff like that and then the third season uh i liked how wild it got um and and fully went into some of the the crazier elements of the show um really dealing with the afterlife and and really with nora trying to figure out like you know the ultimate mystery of the show is what happened to everyone who disappeared right they and i think that's the stuff the island and that's where Lindelof, I think, learned of going, okay, I'm not going to throw so many mysteries at you, but I'll give you a couple big ones and I will answer them by the end of it. But even the main theme in the second season being let the mystery be being like the main, you know, lyric in the song of like, um, I just I, I feel like that's kind of a wink at like some of the lost stuff. And even in this show of being like the mysteries aren't like the most important thing, but I will give you an answer to the biggest mystery and i think how they do that in the finale i think is really really fantastic um and just the explanation which was both surprising but totally made sense and just the way that they they could have done that a completely different way but the way that they do the time jump and then explain and like literally it's just explaining to you it's not really showing you um but the way that they do that with the characters you've you know built up for three seasons i think is a really perfect kind of end note on everything and um everyone's individual storylines i think were uh, interesting and like you said it, it feels completely different each season but you know everyone feels like you know what happened before didn't completely get erased it really meant a lot um leading into that final season and those final episodes and um i as a, as someone who grew up catholic and went to catholic high school and you know unfortunately knows a bunch about religion because of that is like i'm always much like lindelof and why i've always liked him been fascinated with it and that's why i always liked comparing it you know 
cult elements and other things of like where do we go and how would you deal with an event like this if you are a religious person versus a man man of science and man of faith some of those things coming over from lost right and like that shit always fascinated me because even as uh, as i grew older and grew away from religion um, my parents were never super religious it was my grandmother who was so that kind of got passed down my mom still sort of is but like you know, I went to Catholic school mostly just because it was the closest place to us. But I almost even remember in grade eight when we were doing confirmation of almost bowing out of that because I already in grade eight, I was like, this isn't for me. <laughs> I'm like, I don't I'm like even then. But then like my parents convinced me of being like, hey, you know, just if you wouldn't mind just doing it. <laughs> Like it would just make our lives easier for your grandmother and other people. And then like, you know, I still went to a Catholic high school and stuff, but I, I remember being at a friend's wedding as an adult and they had a, you know, a full you know church service before their wedding, which was probably the last time I sat through a whole hour long um, service just going, what this is so like as an adult now, just hearing all this shit is so weird to me. Um, like it just, it's very culty. I remember thinking, and then, um, I like that he goes into, you know, goes deep into all of that in the three seasons of this show. And, um, I thoroughly, thoroughly was hooked on it. I watched all three seasons in a month, it seems like. So, yeah, I, yeah. I definitely think that the highs on <clears throat> lost are maybe higher, especially in that first couple of seasons. Um, but I will say that the leftovers is still weirdly i mean someone who is a lindelof fan and loved lost like you know like it's that show is still under the radar um for a lot of people but also on top of that i feel that you know you, you talking about like sort of the ideology that it's bringing in and sort of looking at you know religious rhetoric and things like that i i do think that the conclusion of the leftovers is stronger than the conclusion of lost in terms I agree. of how it wraps up sort of the overall series i agree um, where lost like obviously we've talked about this on the show and i've talked to you, we've talked about this in, in just person as well that like lost probably at some point will come back in some form where the leftovers feels like it's it's done, it's done. yeah you know completely for what it is yeah disney will bring back lost at some point and they'll bring back a lot of the people that were on yeah, it lost because generations like, like matthew fox is just waiting right now for it. i know he's just sitting by the phone um and i, I love the guy and i love everyone i mean evangeline Man, I thought lily. alex cross was gonna be my my hit but like Eva evangeline lily i guess is is the one that kind of but again we've i think we've well, terry, talked about terry this. o'quinn as well like has great actors and yeah character and actor, character right? actors yeah. and josh holloway i think has a new show um recently too but um you know i think most of those people would be willing to you know or go back <laughs> um so i don't know i would love that you know i would i would mark out for a disney plus revival of lost even if it was like a 10 episode mini series which is what i think you know they should do well michael emerson will only come back if he can play his character from saw within the lost world <laughs> zap or whatever i forget i don't know um and, and then uh i've also been watching rick and morty and dave um so dave um lil dicky if you guys didn't know um a uh, a rapper uh, has a show on FX. I really love the first season. Um, really, really great stuff. So I was excited for season two to drop. Uh, 
first three or three or four episodes, I forget what how many I've watched now, uh, wasn't too hot on it. it. I just felt it felt kind of aimless, which might have been the point because, you know, he's trying to write his album in, in this season and he can't he has writer's block and he just feels like you know, uh, his life is going nowhere and, and, and he's just a, 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 a phony at times and can't, uh, you know, can't think of even a single song or, or two, but, and it's touching on different, you know, topics about political correctness and, and different things like that. And, and I like him as a, uh, as a personality, but those first couple episodes just didn't vibe with me. Uh, there's a whole episode with Benny Blanco that I just feel like didn't work. And like the humor wasn't there and some of the more heartfelt moments weren't there, but then the latest episode, which had Kareem Abdul-Jabbar in it, um, I thought was great and felt more like what I was used to in that first season. So it's not that I just want the same thing regurgitated, but like I still wanted the, that vibe and and that I that they set out in that first season. So I feel like it's finally finding its legs now, four or five episodes into this season. So I hope that kind of keeps up. And um, it is really good, Eric. Like I don't know, that's maybe not your cup of tea, but like um, it's. Uh, it's it's quite quite solid and then rick and morty just continues to be fantastic um i uh they are three episodes down of season five now um yesterday was a captain planet kind of parody episode uh with planetina voiced by allison brie um which uh, i thought was quite funny and um a great metaphor for environmentalism and and you know global warming and things like that right now so uh just continuing to be you know some of the smartest kind of writing on tv with very crass crude humor and um which is definitely you know my vibe of of comedy which is smart but stupid so um i i just love rick and morty are you caught up eric i don't know i I, i'm only on i've I've only watched the first three seasons yeah so you saw four and then yeah and it's not not that i'm against it's just that i have so much to watch i mean i gotta i gotta fit in the boss baby too (laughs) yeah (laughs) there there you can take over now talk about i have really nothing to say about the boss baby too other than it feels like an episode for a show and it's holiday themed because the film is a christmas movie is Um, it yeah and it's just oh i can't talk about the other yeah uh, i can't talk about the other thing in july um but boss baby (laughs) 2 is not good uh it's it's pretty bad um i also uh re-watched raiders of the lost ark on 4k how's that look i've heard it looks looks incredible i have the 4ks on digital i just haven't watched them yeah so paramount was nice enough to send me the 4k uh release uh which has all four of the films uh the original trilogy and uh, kingdom of the crystal skull as well um i only watched uh raiders my favorite of the four (laughs) yeah okay uh so i watched raiders of the lost ark and um it's it's still for me like one of the best like action adventure movies uh ever made i i think it's you know spielberg and lucas at the peak of their powers um there's not a lot in terms of like new special features on it like it's all ported over from the blu-ray but like if you're a fan of just the films and like you know like a a decent 4k transfer because it's a it's a new transfer right like it like it looks incredible yeah Yeah. it's it's amazing um and an atmos uh soundtrack if you have that as well it's it's well worth your time um if you're Mm -hmm. if you're a fan or if you just like just you know are 
sort of a completist when it comes to you know the careers of spielberg or lucas or or harrison ford who like again like between star wars indiana jones and blade runner you know the mid to late 70s into the early 80s the guy like was literally like unstoppable at that point um i am very nervous about indiana jones 5 after seeing the motion capture uh photos of of with the dots all over yeah Yeah. because i could just only imagine what that performance because he'll have to be the he'll have to be motion captured for the whole thing right because like yeah, unless unless this unless this like movie takes place in the seventies. Well, yeah. no, I think that's I think that's part of it. I think part of the story yeah. does take place like in the late seventies, early eighties. Like Raiders of the Lost Ark will be playing in theaters. Yeah, so. exactly. <laughs> or or at least one of the Star Wars movies. You know, at yeah. that point, um, which I'm sure there will be some sort of horror, some joke. sort of joke. Yeah, uh, you really look like that Han Solo guy. <laughs> yeah. God damn it. Um, but like, I also just imagine like Harrison Ford just being like, you know, Harrison Ford and not really trying to act like a four young year old, Harrison. Yeah. You know, at, at, at least. And like him just being like, hey, kid, you know, it's just not. Well, that's the thing. An Irishman is like into a werewolf like he did. In sure. Anchorman yeah. Too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I remember how stoned I was. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I ate that weed cookie and then went and saw that. That was fun. Um, you guys, you were theaters. just laughing your ass off. I was yeah. like, not a good movie either. No, like, it's, it's just so like, dumb. yeah, I know, but I think that's the perfect movie to be that way. Uh, in, um, yeah, I think in The Irishman, that's a thing. Like, Harrison Ford can't necessarily move like you know, Harrison Ford once could. And I think in the Irish, the Irishman, you saw that where, yeah, they de aged them, but their performance still looked like it was, you know. 70 year old men running around um and i think that's where you have some issues is like you know their mobility isn't necessarily what it once was so you can't hide um, that and like even alfred molina you know was talking about that with um, spider-man with the new spider-man movie where like he was saying like he was he was actually very critical of the irishman and saying what you're saying where like yeah you can even though the de-aging does have that uncanny valley look to it still, but you can't, the one thing you can't hide is the physicality of an actor who's in their seventies playing somebody that's supposed to be, you know, in their mid to late twenties or early (laughs) thirties. Yeah. Like, like it was funny, like listening to Al Pacino at that conference, talk about like them hiring, like a guy who specializes in, in sort of mobility for like age ranges and like had to keep reminding like Pacino, like in between takes, it's like no, Al, you you need to sit in the chair as if you were a thirty year old, or like <laughs> you keep doing it as if you're like you know an old man. Just cast younger a, actors. Into a Just bat- yeah, but but that's not going to happen because that's it, there's. The, the I'd rather them just put their face on the younger person, just like, <laughs> like a Snapchat I, I, filter. Yeah, like I, at that point, you might as well shoot the scene twice and just uh, record their face for the one thing, and just put it onto someone who has a younger physique and um and can move that way. Like you've done it with like you know the Winklevoss twins and. I mean, we don't like to talk about Army Hammer anymore, but like in in Social Network, and you know, I think that you're still not. That's different because it's just his face. You don't have to de-age him, and you're just putting it on another actor. 
Um, so maybe that's complicated when you're de-aging someone and putting it on. You might as well just create a fully CG character at that point. But like, <laughs> we, we just um, decided to pay Pacino for his likeness. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's at that point. I think that's what you might get uh, eventually. Like when the when CG becomes that good which it potentially could you're gonna have actors coming back from the dead man well wasn't that um, the argument with that one movie saying we're hiring you know james oh Dean yeah to play the vietnam did that soldier? ever come out no, no <laughs> yeah of course not <laughs> so, so dumb yeah. um yeah no i mean I, I i mostly agree with you on that or or i mean if you're going to do it and, and this is also the arduous way of doing well it, remember like, in midnight sky as well too, well right? yeah yeah i was gonna oh god yeah i swallowed george clooney That's <laughs> yeah, I like, like um, i'm a puppet like it's literal puppet and i'm like but, no but like the richard linklater way of doing things where like you you actually shoot over a period of time like again you, even that you like, don't I have just... to do that but i almost would take that over the de-aging thing because at least it is with that person sure. it's just, you have to wait for it you know? <laughs> i gotta wait 20 years to shoot the rest of this movie where like w- movies have been made for over a hundred years at this point where never once did i see a movie where they casted someone else as the younger version of someone and go i don't know that's super distracting but like every time i see a movie that um you know they de-age someone or you know, someone using someone as a puppet with someone else's voice, like it, it is hella distracting. And it's just like you, you're but focused so is old more age on makeup, though, right? That's like, true, too. Yeah, that, that is, is like, true. Like most like, uh, hey, speaking of the leftovers yeah. and leftovers, though, I thought they did a good job with Carrie Coon and Justin Thoreau. Right. It's right. still a little distracting, but, you know, you can be subtle with it where, you know, they were already they're not old by any means but you could just put some wrinkles on their face and a little redness around their eyes and stuff like that and you make them look a bit older um it's not like in harry potter or sorry you just mentioned a movie prometheus with prometheus yeah guy pierce looks terrible right Um, or or they look like burn victims instead of old people i i still think the best of like the makeup though is is always going to be dick smith's stuff on both the exorcist with um, max von sido and um uh, Marlon Brando and the Godfather where like you look at like Marlon Brando and the Godfather these even like they always post it on Twitter now where it's like you you look at like the before the makeup and Brando at that point was in his was in his 40s right so um and then you see like after the the makeup's been applied and he like it's very subtle in terms of the changes that have been made, but he does look like he's a guy in his like 60s, 70s. And it's the same thing with Max von Sydow. Max von Sydow was, uh, was in his forties as well at the time of the, you know, making the exorcist and uh, father Marin is, is, you know, a guy that's like on death's door in his eighties. And, you know, like that's part of why like Max von Sydow had a hard time getting work after that movie because everybody, thought <laughs> everyone thought he was a hundred. <laughs> yeah. And he yeah. wasn't at that point. So, yeah, I don't know how you I think we will get to a point where it's probably not as distracting, but I think anytime you see, you know, it's the lighting really, right? It still looks too rubbery. It doesn't look natural or not rubbery, but just looks synthetic uh, whenever you do this stuff where the lighting just doesn't quite match how it would 
a normal person. So, and I think we're even like, even talking about special effects in general, like uh, I really noticed it in some of Loki. Oh, there's another show we've both been watching is Loki um, where we reviewed the first two episodes, but now we're five episodes in, right? Four. Uh, four? Fifth is, fifth oh, is fifth coming is up this tomorrow. Tomorrow, yeah. Yeah. So um, even in Loki, I felt like the last couple episodes, you could really see some dodgy green screen, which is like, you know, I noticed it in Ragnarok as well. The more I watch it and some of the more CG heavy Marvel movies where they're on, you know, mystical planets and different things like that. Guardians, I still think looks pretty good when you watch both movies, but the Thor Ragnarok and now going into Loki, um, the green screen era has to die soon. Once you have something like Mandalorian and that new kind of uh, Even style Eternals, of set. Right. And Eternals that shot on location. Like, I think now we've we got, shoot outside. yeah, Kevin Feige's mind was blown. Um, uh, like I love the Marvel movies, but yes, they like, and even the star Wars movies with like, uh, you know, you and McGregor has been talking about it with, uh, Kenobi being like, it's such a, a fun experience for him because he's like, I feel like I'm actually on a set. Like, even though it's this, you know, it's not green screen, it's that digital set that the Mandalorian has been doing, which they're now going to be using for Marvel and other productions as well. And uh, Lucasfilm has always been an innovator when it comes to special effects. And I feel like, you know, the days of just being in a warehouse with green screen everywhere, I hope are, are, are ending soon because I really do love the Mandalorian style and that whole behind the scenes episode you guys should watch if you haven't. It's so cool and using Unreal Engine and video game technology because that's getting so good now that you can create. You basically do the CG beforehand instead of after and then you project it on these LED walls and then build physical sets on the ground and then the camera moves with the screen so all the perspective stays you know, the same and then you get actual lighting from the LED screens. And even though it's from an LED screen, at least it matches color wise or the, you know, the lighting that you have in that sequence to the person's helmet, to their face, different things like that, where you don't get that dodgy kind of green screen look. Cause I feel like even that in a lot of things, you know, especially special effects, heavy movies, which we get everywhere now um, is, and I really noticed it in Loki when they were on that one planet, um, him and sylvie and yeah and, i know uh, what you're talking about yeah it just really didn't and and i noticed it in ragnarok too like the lighting is just off the lighting's off and it just does not you just notice you can really notice that they're just standing in front of a green screen so i'm excited like these advancements in, in special effects of um of using these new sets that lucasfilm built um, it, it means a lot more pre-production when it seems like because you have to design this stuff beforehand where i think you know, before you would just throw them in front of a green screen and we kind of have an idea. But of what that's what it was like. like before, though. Right. Like, but like when 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 you had to build a set or something yeah, from scratch, like literally, mm. like even with miniatures, like there was a time where like even when you were shooting on location, you had all that pre-production to do and literally have to build a location up from the ground and and that took time. which they still do on some movies, obviously. Right, but, but that's yeah. why but that's why like sequels 
at that like you look at the original star wars trilogy that's why it took so much longer between in between films and that's probably also why we didn't get any more sequels or spin-offs afterwards because they took so much time to do and lucas at that point in his life was kind of like on like just was sick of it after even doing the first one you know like he was just kind of like i'm just going to produce these other ones i'm going through a divorce i have no interest in you know doing this <laughs> he's stuff a flat right earther <laughs> I, no i wouldn't say that um, there's a great chapter in rogan's book that you got that is talking about him meeting george lucas for the first time where george lucas talks about being a flat earther it's fucking hilarious <laughs> And then Jesus. Rogan ends the chapter being like, it was one of the top two most disappointing uh, meetings I've ever had in my life of like meeting someone for the first time who he looked up to. Right. And he just completely owns jo George Lucas in the, the chapter. It's really funny. Which is so strange because when you think of the Sarlacc pit scene, that is definitely not a flat earther scene. <laughs> um, but yeah, like it's, it's just interesting that like you look at franchise movies that were made, you know, at that time period when blockbuster cinema like after after jaws was kind of the the launching pad for blockbusters and then like you know star wars kind of inspired a whole generation of of filmmaking you know you got maybe a sequel to one of those kind of films if they were successful enough but it just took so much longer where now because of the green screen it it takes like a year between films to sort of you know because you shoot it and then going. the special effects, you know, you, you deal with it already, afterwards. Right? Yeah. Like, yeah, they're already, they're already pre-made or you can sort of, you know, build on them and, and create sort of new models and, and things within post-production. But, you know, now it's, it, it's interesting that you're getting these hybrids of augmenting, you know, both sort of post-production technology and in-camera special effects. And, and Nolan's been doing that a little bit as well with, with, um, you know some of his movies where like he he's not a green screen he shoots guy, everything but, practically yeah yeah but there is still some sort of post-production special work. effects yeah yeah, yeah yeah it'll be interesting to see how we um, advance all that um, anything else you wanted to mention before we just kind of quickly touch on trailers and news or uh, I'm, I'm good you can just go to yeah. my letterbox account and see all the movies <laughs> I've been watching I, I Fair. you know give Eric a follow yeah <laughs> um uh trailers uh we got a bunch over the couple weeks that we um were off um we've been off for two or three weeks or so but um i'm trying to go back here uh gi georgians which we already uh mentioned we got some snake eye trailers um really surprised that they're kind of one calling it gi joe origins and like so i'm assuming these tie now, in is with it the called gi joe origins or is it just called snake eyes because on imdb it's just called snake eyes everywhere else i've seen snake eyes colon gi joe origins okay because on so imdb like, i'm looking at it now it just says snake eyes and then under it it says snake eyes gi joe origins original title oh uh snake eyes 2020 oh but the poster does have gi joe Origins. yeah so i don't know with any of this stuff man we talk every week we go what is the actual title of the movie um because i i'm just it does it tie into the other gi joe movies or, or they're establishing or like, like a, a new... new universe or whatever <laughs> henry <Joe>. goulding <laughs> henry goulding um <laughs> i thought the trailers for this were slick and they weirdly made me want to see a gi joe movie again which i don't know uh you know i mean good for them <laughs> yeah i mean Maybe I, I'm so desperate for, you know, going to the theaters to see a, a blockbuster that I'm like, at this point. yeah, but I think Henry Goulding is, um, Golding is, um, 
charismatic enough and the snake eyes character is kind of cool being like a ninja assassin but yeah ninja assassins are kind of like ghosts he's played a ghost yeah i'm like do i need to rewatch the gi joe movies before no, i this? don't think so <laughs> that's my biggest question does this do anything for you or no um i think just looking at it as like kind of like a fun action adventure movie um i'm down for it i mean i was never a big gi joe fan although i do like the gi joe movie the animated film from okay it was like 86 87 remember um, joseph gordon levitt was the main villain in the <laughs> yeah but there was a, i mean the steven summer movie was there was a lot of yeah. like really good character actors in like yeah. nothing roles like dr mindbender was played by kevin j o'connor i think i'm gonna rewatch them god you would <laughs> i, I sent you like a small list of like movies to watch i'm still gonna get around to those okay? yeah I, you say that you say yeah. that i gotta and, watch gi like, joe gonna, i'm gonna rewatch dennis quaid and gi <laughs> joe <laughs> come on come on man you already uh, watched dr mindbender talk i don't remember I anything i don't remember anything from them well channing tatum was the lead in the first one then he's right. killed off the rock the is in one, one of them right he's in the second one so is bruce yeah. willis <laughs> I forgot. I mean, the, yeah. the animated one is still the best because Sergeant Slaughter plays Sergeant Slaughter in the animated oh, yeah. movie. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, Eddie's you know, disease. Um, but I, I don't know. The trailers had a good, you know, the, the music that they used and uh, the action looks, you know, slick and, and fun. And um, I kind of weirdly looking forward to it. But again, I think that's partly because I know theaters are opening up right before it comes out. So I'm like, ooh, I might be able to see that in in the theater so yeah i'm um, uh i also like samara weaving who's also oh in, yeah but um she's the, great the director i am not uh particularly oh schwenke schwenke yeah. <laughs> who did uh R.I.P.D. And, and divergent Ooh. movies Ooh. um yes I... the divergent movies not great and red and and r.i.p.d red i'm, mo- I'm mostly fine with r.i.p.d i just yeah won't get into that but yeah i like samara weaving as well and i mean um uh eco Uwe to um who we just saw he was in mortal Kombat, right and yeah. uh um you know if you need a great mar- martial artist lately it seems like you hire him so i'm hoping that there's some good fight sequences that were a little bit better than i was a little disappointed in mortal Kombat. i think you were in the same boat yeah um so i'm hoping it kind of improves on that um we got a we weren't sure if we talked about annette the last episode i guess i could look at the um uh but annette we mentioned uh that it is premiering at uh can today um i don't think we did talk about it so this is our first uh like full trailer of annette um and i'm i'm all in on this you know (laughs) summer of sparks continues so uh going to be on amazon prime in august correct yep and um yeah you know musical sparks brothers you know leo carax coming back since his first film since holy motors right yep which was almost Um, 10 years ago goodness gracious uh what did you think of the trailer you dig it yeah i'm excited for it i I think it's going to be one of those movies that you just you need to kind of watch the whole thing to get oh totally but a trailer doesn't do the movie like it's just one of those things that's going to be a hard sell with even someone like adam driver you know in the lead role i just think that it's it's 
it's going to be a movie made for a niche audience, no matter what you do in terms of marketing or, or what have you. But I'm also still really excited about it just because it's also weird that like something like someone like Amazon is releasing it in North America. Yeah. Like you think that it like, would have been a like lot of people are going to watch a Leo Carax movie for the first time. And well, it's gonna that's be... true though. Like, yeah. I think like this, I mean, even more so than Holy Motors, this will be, this will be the 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 first experience they have with one, and maybe the only experience that they have with one of his films. Um, but you never know. I mean, that might also spark a, an interest. Yeah. In, um, you know, budding film fans, and they might see this and go back to you know Mavis song, or, or people Lovers will have no idea what they're getting things. into. <laughs> right, right. Well, that's true. Like they'll see like, oh, Adam Driver's in this movie. You know, Kylo Ren is you know singing into a vagina um (laughs) like that's like that's what they'll take away from it like that'll be like it's that weird movie you know like that's the film um yeah but i i i mean i think we kind of know so oh yeah totally we know what we're getting into but like if you recommend this to your parents or something like that or like like if you're like my mom's a huge star wars fan and if she saw the trailer to this and she said like oh oh a musical yeah sparks i know the spark or i know i know um they're not called are they called sparks yeah 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 sparks. sparks yeah yeah i'm like we watched a whole documentary why am i thinking i guess it because it was called the sparks brothers and they're not actually uh their last name isn't sparks no it's ron and russell male yeah that's what i was getting confused at because i was like wait are they even called <laughs> sparks i mean they, their original name should have been the mailmen <laughs> <laughs> yeah the mailmen love it uh new Candyman trailer uh the nia DaCosta film uh finally coming out uh this fall um i was very into this trailer i thought it was really really dope um i'm very much looking forward to this um and i want to watch the first one because i have never seen it (laughs) so of course you haven't oh Uh, august it's coming out actually yeah yeah uh i'm i'm excited for it as well um having seen the original one uh and its sequels um i'm very curious to do i need to watch all of those or can I, I don't know just get away I, with... like watching this I'm kind of like there are certain things like Virginia Madsen being in this um is fascinating to me because again like I think you said something that happens to her in in the other ones right yeah and and so um I'll be I'll be interested to see like how much they take from the canon of it and how much it's its own thing but I mean, I would just watch the first one. The first one. That's still, what I'm probably going like, to do. Yeah. Re, like, cause I mean, it was based on Clyde Barker's story and like, obviously Clyde Barker is best known for Hellraiser films and stories and things like that. And, and, uh, Nightbreed as well. Um, but having rewatched it when the Scream Factory Blu-ray came out a few years ago, um, the thing that still kind of caught me by surprise was how gruesome it is. Like yeah. it is violent. Like there, and this looks like it's following up on that. Yeah, too. there's a scene in the in the original one, which is again, this is early '90s, um, where a guy is literally like disemboweled from the groin up into yeah. the stomach, and the it's practical effects, obviously, but it still looks as horrifying to basically yeah. talk about it as like like visually speaking it, it still works yeah um so i'd be very curious to see what you uh what you think of it we should watch that uh together sometime soon. yeah come on come on over now that we're double vaxxed double vaxxed and ready to can candy man <laughs> didn't work no. at all Get the candy man can is that song in it from willy wonka no oh okay 
well then Willy Wonka just came out on 4k I got yes, that it sure did it looks it looks real good I watched the Candyman sequence actually just to kind of see what it the what the transfer looked like um we got well, uh, new Suicide Squad trailer more of the same I don't think there's much to uh I mean this is more setting up Idris Elba as kind of like the the new lead of this this film like it feels like even more so than margot robbie he's going to be kind of the leader of this yeah iteration of the suicide squad yeah um so you know i i think it looks good i i laughed at the i the uh margot robbie line of she was taken to number two that's why they had to wait for her a good poop joke always like it um new shang chi trailer um uh again I, I more of the same again, again. Uh, but the big reveal at the end of this was Abomination and Wong are fighting, which it in some sort of tournament that looks like it's at in um, uh, what's this? Oh my god, why am I blanking? The city that they Majapur uh, that they go in in uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. So it looks like this tournament might be happening in Majapur, where it's like different heroes and villains fighting from the marvel universe in this like mystical tournament so you know tim roth is back baby we knew he was coming back for she everyone's but, favorite abomination um, <laughs> yeah so abomination's back and he's fighting wong which kevin feige confirmed and i don't know I, i'm digging the vibe of uh, of shang chi of being this modern thing that takes place in san francisco but also having all these mystical elements and and fantasy elements there's a giant dr- underwater dragon at one point that looks really dope and like you know there's some flat it looks like flashback sequences or maybe some sort of sequences with like giant tigers and and things like that and like big mystical creatures and stuff so i like the vibe of like modern you know mcu and this whole you know mystical fantasy side of the mcu that we haven't really seen a ton of so um and then you know learning about the real mandarin and if that'll tie into the iron man movies as at, at any point iron man 3 specifically like will that be brought into this movie or will that just kind of be swept under the rug or, um, but bringing in characters like, you know, abomination back, which we knew he was coming in, in she Hulk, but I'm like, who else is going to be, you know, in this tournament. That's really intriguing to me as an MCU fan of like, are they leaving, you know, one of the bigger surprises for the movie, if they're already doing the abomination and Wong reveal, in the trailer or is that kind of you know it reminds me of the tournament in thor ragnarok with hulk right at at, in um jeff goldblum's tournament but it's some sort of underground kind of whether these people are captured like in in ragnarok or if they're just willing participants to you know for some reason i don't know but um i'm intrigued by it yeah it also makes me uh excited for maybe a potential clay fighter movie down the line <laughs> sick <laughs> well, i would love clay fighters movie earthworm jim baby Ikebod crane <laughs> earthworm jim yeah oh man i still want Good that shit. movie so badly um but yeah i i'm i'm mostly fine with it uh there's one character that i actually really do like but i know it's gonna be like boba fett or something where it's like the really cool character that does ultimately probably does nothing and it's like that one sort of like assassin that that has a sword hand yeah with like the (laughs) with the makeup and stuff like that like i actually Um, really like that character okay oh which one yeah that one yeah yeah yeah. i know who you're talking about like Um, if i was a toy collector i'd be like yeah like when's that coming out when's that action figure coming out 
Yeah. Um, I'm it's, it's he's called like death, uh, death something. I forget. Um, death dealer. Yeah. Yeah. Is the character I think that you're talking about. But ultimately um, that character is probably going to be <laughs> useless and just be like, yeah, it's 90% aesthetic. <laughs> yeah, most likely. Um, but I'm pumped. To, it'll probably be the, you know, again, it'll be the first MCU movie in a long time that we see in theaters unless we go see Black Widow when it opens. Halloween Kills. I uh, don't have much to say other than I like that it's the whole town versus Mike Myers. I, I do hope it plays Tiff. We kind of talked about that, that I think that was a really fun Midnight Madness movie, and I would love to see the sequel there. Um, that Michael Myers, that slimy bastard just keeps getting away, you know? <laughs> so. Let him burn! <laughs> um. I don't know if you have any thoughts on it, but I don't have many other than like, I do like that idea that it's the whole town versus him. Yeah. And I also like that it's you know, David Gordon green is coming back to do. Yeah. And both McBride writing films. it too. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and Anthony Michael Hall is playing the role that was originally going to be Paul, Paul Rudd, Red. Yeah. Was in uh, part six. So yeah, it's cool. Uh, Clifford. <laughs> um, don't have any it's, i keep laughing every time i see someone being like yeah this looks like some sort of medical ad for yeah like for anxiety like your anxiety is just chasing you everywhere following you everywhere. Your, your anxiety is yeah. a giant red dog <laughs> yeah uh i remember the clifford books as a kid um again it's very much a kid's movie um i don't even know if we'll cover it here but we'll see <laughs> um, right. many saints of newark uh uh newark um which is the Sopranos prequel. I have not watched any of the Sopranos. So should I go into this movie and watch it blind? I mean, it or is a no. prequel. Um, so, so it should be okay. You but should be okay. But like in terms of like those like deep cut references or like, I'm not going to get any of that. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, I, you, I love this. Are you excited for this no, or no? No, no? I'm nervous. Okay. I'm real nervous because um, I love the Sopranos and the Sopranos. The thing that is, the star of that besides james gandolfini um is the writing where this is like i i always hate films that are either prequels or sequels to something that's already so well established that try to sort of polish them in a different way like the lighting in this and the saturation of like that kind of like cold blue kind of color that they're going for it just kind of puts me off because the sopranos like it had some stylish moments but it was mostly all about the writing like it was mm -hmm. it was about sort of the dialogue and the is that them just trying to differentiate it to try to make it feel like a cinematic maybe yeah like yeah oh totally and it's just yeah. again like it's a different time period but like mm -hmm. even the stuff with vera farmiga playing the mom with like that prosthetic nose i'm just kind of oh like, yeah yeah oh no <laughs> Yeah, I'm I'm intrigued. I might watch it just without just to kind of get that perspective because I feel like if we review it that'll be an interesting perspective coming from someone who's seen the entire series and someone who's only really watched the pilot and then that's it. I mean the um, casting is kind of I mean it's 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 a it's gimmicky but like I think it makes the most sense like in terms of with his son. Yeah. yeah. Um, um no totally. I get yeah. that. So I'm intrigued, but I, I have no context for any of it. And I, I'm kind of with you where 
um the look it'll be of it some is. people's star wars though where like i could see it becoming like this like a star wars prequel where it's like it's it's the film where david chase is like okay well there are things i have to cover within you know yeah. this, this thing where i have to reference you didn't things. need to explain this but hey yeah. i'm going to yeah <laughs> how gangsters become gangsters the metachlorians are in the atmosphere and that's <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah like i don't um, need that <laughs> i don't need to know everything that like the, how tony became tony Tony yeah, exactly. is great because he was just a character that was written. Exactly. He just, that's who he is. Uh, how do you feel about Don't Breathe 2? Um, I know both of us, I think, were pleasantly surprised by the first Don't Breathe movie. I think it yep. is a, a pretty solid, tight little like thriller that's kind of nasty at times that oh, I yeah. was not expecting. Um, now to take that character, the blind man, and make him kind of an anti-hero, I think is a little strange to me but i mean you're doing the terminator thing i mean they've done this in other movies as well taking the villain and kind of making him the hero but i don't know do you do you see it that way or well, that was like, the thing I, I was while watching that trailer and like reading the synopsis it almost sounded like wait they're making him the hero <laughs> but i almost feel like even though the story is from his perspective it's he's still the villain it's almost like you're supposed to be not rooting for the villain but you're you're seeing the story from the villain's point of view and or is it like a villain and then more villains get involved so yeah he's who's, just who's like the lesser evil so to yeah speak. and like also on top of that again like like these other people are bad or 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 maybe even worse in some cases but like i mean he you're still kind of like following him so you're kind of having to root for him because you're, it is his story you know like i still yeah. feel like he's probably like an icky human being well that's I what i mean i can really retcon the turkey base no that's what i was gonna bring up too and that's why i'm having a hard time with it and i don't think that you can't have a movie from a bad person's perspective right or like i'm just curious of how they'll make us kind of cheer for him and i'm i'm i i'm gonna watch the first one again because it i haven't probably watched it since that press screening we went to yeah um and i i do own it and i i do remember liking it quite a bit um so i will rewatch it before this but yeah from what i remember i'm like how can i now go back and go you know what i'll cheer for this guy you know what <laughs> yeah you go man like I, yeah you do it yeah I'm, you you're, go steven you're Lang. A, yeah you're a good guy now so um, what are those avatar <laughs> movies coming out yeah um and how are you coming back uh, and then Beckett was the other one uh, that I wanted to bring up uh, that I just I had, it felt weird the whole time I was watching this trailer. Like it didn't feel like a real movie, but uh, I don't know how you felt about it. I don't know. I'm 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 kind of just down for another, you know, John David Washington. Yeah. Sort of global. SPL. Maybe it's the name of the movie Beckett. Well, the, there like... was an original title to it. It was like it was something murder was in the title. Um are you on it's on the imdb site oh or, no i'm on i have the trailer i'll look running. it up for a second because uh it, yeah it had a different title um but the title that title also sounded a little bit generic as well um because i think it's playing lacarno yeah um, it is on august 4th yeah just looking it up now this is great podcasting and <clears throat> it was originally called uh born to be murdered okay which is 
generic as well but like yeah but it almost sounds like maybe they changed it partly because it like it almost sounds like a sci-fi title in a weird way or something like that sure i just think like just using the the titular character's name like i i just kind of boring to me like his name's just beckett so they call it beckett i'm like well i shouldn't get hung up on that but like beckett like yeah sure that too but i don't know i i just felt like the trailer to me felt a little generic but um i'm not against it like again i like it alicia vikander i like vicky creeps i like john david washington i even sometimes like boyd holbrook like i thought he's quite good in logan um but i i don't know there was something off about this trailer where it felt silly or felt like um like a fake movie i don't know if that makes sense but like, right i didn't feel like it was a fake movie in the sense that like you know characters like, from another yeah. movie would be watching it but like, no i not it that did either, feel but... a little bit underwhelming for a film that i almost feel is like weirdly capitalizing on maybe tenet uh specifically you know after the fact even though tenet wasn't the success it was projected to be um but I mean, it, you know, it, it, it'll play. It's a Netflix film. Mm-hmm. We'll see. Like the August release, I think is the most telling thing where like, if they, if it was something really kind of like unique or interesting, it, they would hold it for the fall. Um, mm-hmm. But since like, it is sort of an August thing, it's kind of like, okay, like, mm-hmm. you know, this will probably be almost like that George Clooney sort of spy thriller, the Anton Corbin film, the American where yeah. it's almost like, have you, you know, seen this director's first film? Ferdinando Cito Filamarino. His first film was Antonia. Uh, I'm not sure. And he was in a relationship with Luca Guadagnino from 2009 to 2020. No, they're, they're no longer together. Um, but he was Luca Guadagnino's partner um, for a while. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I, I'm I'm definitely going to watch it. Um, I, again, I like everyone involved, but. Um, um oh, yeah, and shot it, second unit on uh suspiria and call me by your name yeah that makes sense so anyways that that's intriguing but um i don't know and i forgot boyd, boyd holbrook is in the aforementioned indiana jones five which makes sense because he worked with mangold on uh logan on logan um ba, 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 ba. succession teaser came out i haven't really uh watched any of succession have you uh, just the first season, which I yeah. liked. It's just, again, is there two know. seasons or one? Uh, two. Two. And this is the third season. Yeah. It's coming out. Okay. Because Nevis is very excited. She just messaged me about it. Uh, and then finally, there was one last trailer. Now I lost it that I wanted to talk about. What was it? Um, sorry, everyone. I went to do some research and I lost my place. How's everyone doing? Good. <laughs> Everyone good? All right, great. Uh, no, wait, that was the last thing um, for trailers. I'm just inquiring right now whether or not Space Jam, a new legacy, is, is going to have screened. I have a feeling it won't. <laughs> oh, no, there's somebody that already posted their not a reactions, review, but no, a, a letterbox. Well, Barry um, yeah, yeah. Okay. did earlier today. Oh, so it is screening for some people. Yeah. yeah. But there's um, another person on Letterbox that we know that posted their interesting like, thing. So interesting, interesting, interesting. I mean, I, Space Jam's a weird one where like all the clips that I've seen from it, I'm like, oh no. <laughs> but yeah. like, um, but I do have that nostalgia um, for the first movie, right? So 
I don't know, like the Matrix references and the no- notorious PIG references. I'm like, oh my god, what? Like, what year? <laughs> Who is this for? I always want to watch Tom and Jerry beforehand, just just to, to know like, what to expect. To, maybe to be like, okay, like maybe I'll appreciate Space Jam a little bit more. <laughs> yeah, it's um, I I don't know what to think of it. I mean, I'm uh, we'll definitely review it and and watch it, but. Um, oh, the first five Halloween movies are coming to 4K this fall. Yeah, I saw that through Scream Factory. That's a cool set that they're but releasing. But it's weird. Really the, cool. uh, the first Halloween's already available on 4K. Yeah, I know. I have it. So, so do I. But, but then this Not looks fucking special. This looks way cooler. I know. Well, it's because <laughs> the box art is nicer. The box arts are dope. Yeah. But um, I mean, Scream Factory also. I'm definitely released... going to get Season of the Witch at least. Yeah, Season of the Witch is, is awesome. Um, very underrated. Um, which there's a reference to in Halloween Kills. Uh, yeah, there's a trailer. mask, right? Uh, yeah, and also in The Guest. Um, if you if people have not seen The Guest, uh, which we talk about a lot, I think, on it's this so show. Good. Um, so good. But yeah, uh, I mean, Scream Factory always does great work with their box sets. I mean, they they did it with their, um, their box set for the original Halloween sort of films that also included all the, the dimension ones as well, but they lost the rights to them. So that box set, like, was discontinued you know within a year of it being released and right. like the friday the 13th series you know they released <clears throat> last year was also discontinued with a, even less than a, a, a year so you know it's you gotta buy those when they when when you can so mm-hmm. uh anything else from the last couple of weeks that you that stood out to you that you wanted to talk about that you remember or we can kind of just quickly go through and i'm kind of scrolling through to see what paddington 3 is gonna film yeah, next Studio summer canal announced a bunch of stuff paddington 3 being the mm-hmm. big one um yeah i mean like of... it, it's i mean it's still the festival kind of, stuff was the biggest thing i think yeah right? and we haven't really gotten much in terms of like other like you know breaking news or like you know big stuff like right mm. now it's kind of it's almost feels like it's a bit of a lull just because you know i mean knives out to a bunch of stuff went into and, production right yeah, yeah a lot of people ethan hawk is in knives out too the whole cast of that is is wild i thought uh star wars um visions looked really really dope which is them partnering with all the anime studios um doing short films uh from star wars did you watch that uh no i didn't oh god it looks really really cool man like i'm i'm definitely very very intrigued by that they said that um charlie theron's getting a uh spinoff from fast and the furious or it's being developed which um sure everyone wants that cypher movie i don't know how if she becomes a member of the family in this new one we'll see Um, cypher uh ballistic x versus sever sure uh the last of us tv series has begun um shooting and they cast uh joel's daughter uh nico parker is playing sarah in the show um and then they posted a a shot from the um from the first day of shooting uh gabriel luna posted it and it's so cool just seeing pedro pascal in you know the clothing joel wears in the opening of that game and stuff and I am so excited for that show, Eric. You don't even know. Like, I'm going to try so hard for them to le- allow us to go to Calgary and visit that set. Like, that's You're all gonna I want. You're going to fight for that one. I will message everyone at Crave and HBO and just be like, please, we will pay our own way. I just want to go see it. I just let me go on set for one day and watch because um, I just want to see how that's going. And they're shooting for the next year. <laughs> so um, they're shooting until next July. So, um, 
I definitely want to uh, check that out. Uh, Lovecraft County was canceled after one season. Did you end up finishing it or no? No, I think I first three episodes. Yeah, I watched the first one or two. I do want to go back and watch it, but I guess it just didn't. It wasn't work. bad. It just kind of felt like every episode was like sort of the penultimate episode in a weird okay. way like it was like it, like it ramped up to sort of like this big kind of climactic moment in those three episodes that by the time you got like it almost felt like the series even though it it could continue and obviously like there has been talk about like what season two would have been um it just kind of felt like every episode was almost more anthology based than it was interesting um sort of like a, an ongoing series interesting interesting um trying to go through there's some spider-man far from home spoiler kind of stuff popping up but we don't need to talk about that uh yeah there hasn't been like a big piece of casting or or anything over the last couple weeks has there like other than what like we mentioned with the knives out two stuff which it felt like every day we were getting a new cast member on that film even when they were shooting people were still being announced just getting taken photos of them Um, it's just the time of the year and it's scheduling right like right now like you have stuff that's going into production like both a lot of stuff started production right yeah yeah, like both knives out two and um the cronenberg movie are, are shooting in greece and then like you have stuff that's been announced it's okay like they're gonna shoot in you know september october and casting is next west anderson movie with tilda swinton shooting in spain yeah and that Um, was only brought up because they there was a piece and variety about tilda swinton's career and she kind of talked about you know shooting that and like she didn't go into details of what it would be about but it was supposed to shoot it in italy originally and then now they've moved it to spain so you know like i'm sure we'll hear casting with that in the next month or so uh and i'm sure it'll be a lot of you know familiar faces and maybe a couple new people absolutely 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 well i think that's gonna wrap it up everyone if there's anything else uh we will cover it on another show but the new stuff like i think it's more interesting to talk about you know the festival stuff and you know some of the conversations like news is so of the moment that like who really cares what we think we're gonna go yeah i'm excited to see it when it comes out (laughs) so that's why the news segment i feel like has kind of evolved over time on on this show because it's like most things is like unless something huge happens that we can't miss but even half the time i feel like uh we kind of do so they're nice two and a half hours eric it's been nice um what do you got planned for the rest of the week well i plan on doing some writing finishing up my soundproof booth and uh hopefully uh uh watching a movie i've been looking forward to uh for a little bit now oh thank you i think you as well will are in the same boat uh nevis just brought me my lunch because i haven't eaten yet so perfect timing because wrapping up thank you nevis love you um yeah i i don't really have plans for this i gotta watch some screeners that we're gonna review for later this week and watch some hockey and soccer you know just chill try to enjoy the weather trying to enjoy being double vax is my sister's birthday july 8th so happy birthday sarah probably do some stuff for that um but you know same old same old uh thank you all for listening if you like this we have another show called untitled movie reviews where eric and i review movies uh you know for a much shorter period of time than two and a half hours uh so if you 
want to go check that out. Untitled Movie uh, Reviews on all podcast services. We have reviews up right now for The Tomorrow War, uh, The Forever Purge, uh, Fear Street 1994, Black Widow, Roadrunner, a film about Anthony Bourdain, False Positive, The Novice, Wolfgang, Werewolves Within. Uh, lots of reviews over on that channel that you guys can go check out. Um, Untitled Movie Conversations has returned as well. So please go check out our conversation with Phantom City creatives Justin Erickson and Paige Reynolds. Uh, a great conversation with them. Hour-long conversation about a decade of making movie art, uh, their process, their favorite movie posters, um, and a bunch of other stuff. So go check out that podcast. Go follow us on Letterboxd at Untitled Podcasts. Um, all of our reviews, lists, uh, links to all of our other socials, which are untitled underscore cast everywhere else. You can get everything on that hub. Everything we do is over on Letterboxd at Untitled Podcast. So go subscribe over there. Drop us a review if you would be so kind. And as always, my name is Matt Rohrbeck. You can find more of my work around the internet, but mostly at UntitledMoviePodcast.com. And you can follow me on all of those social medias at Matt Rohrbeck. And I'm Eric Marchin. You can find more of my video reviews at rogerstv.com slash cinemascene and on the social medias at EM6211. And I was just reading quickly that The Last of Us uh, season one will consist of 10 episodes. Yes. Can't wait. Can't wait, baby. Until next time. Here's to you, one-eyed Willie. <laughs>